is the podcast to the show you can listen to or know. Welcome to our Ted Lasso talk, the Tedcast. Welcome, all Greyhound fans. Welcome, all you sinners from the dog track and all the AFC Richmond fans around the world. It's the Lasso way around these parts with Coach Coach and Boss. Without further ado, Coach Castleton. Okay, welcome back, everybody. We are going over Ted Lasso, Season 3, Episode 5, Signs. This is Part 4. For those of you joining us for the first time, welcome. We're, we're so excited to have you here. Uh, if, if you can jump in in the middle of an episode, that's great. We're, we're going to do basically the second half of Signs today. Um, if you want to catch it from the beginning, there's Part 1, 2, and 3 that you should be able to get on uh, whatever podcast platform you use. My name is Coach Castleton. And with me, as always, is Coach Bishop. Always a pleasure because of Boss, your friend. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll bring it right. In. There you go. That's a nice lead in for you, Boss. This is our boss, Emily Chambers. I think that we forgot to mention the hour at which Shandy contacted Emma J about condoms for balls. Yes. Also 4 a.m. Yes. As soon as you just started that, I went, oh, my God. Yes, that's correct. Nice. At least likely to defend herself against yeah, so, ball and, condoms. So and 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 ultimate and sort of like the height of offense, right? Like, what worst time could you call someone? But four, there's nothing other than like a death of someone you love dearly that merits a four a.m. phone call. Exactly. So what we left off last night at um, Ted saying what when Michelle said no, Ted Henry wasn't bullied. He was the bully. And Ted's disbelief as he says, what? Now we smash to the next morning. We've got all this strummy sort of music coming in. It's much more upbeat. Uh, we go from the darkness of outside the window at Ted's flat to the to the light. We're up over uh, it's a bunch of bunch of shots. We see that, you know, there's a bridge. Uh, there's a insert of like a building, brick building and a flat with signs in the window saying, come on, you greyhounds and Richmond for the league. Um, and we get Arlo's voice up over top. AFC Richmond versus Manchester City. Uh, normally the Greyhound faithful mark the loss on the calendar before the match is even played. Now we get a shot of the pub. May is smiling and pouring. Everybody's, you know, it's game day, even though, uh, uh, they're supposed to get slaughtered. Uh, any game day, if you're this type of fan is Christmas, right? Coach. And Absolutely. outside Nelson road, we, we have all these fans pouring in, in this, in this initial shot. Um, we see, uh, uh, Arlo continues, but tonight with Zava, hope is in the air that Richmond will finally prevail in this decidedly one-sided rivalry. Then we get an outside shot of a very boxy uh, KJPR building, which we presume because the next shot is um, Dan entering Keeley's doorway. Now we know he's named Dan, the human meerkat. And uh, what does Dan say, boss? It's uh, quitting time. Yep. And we get a huge smile from Keeley. I'll see you tomorrow, Dan. No, I quit. Yeah, he really puffs himself up. I quit. And then what does he say, boss? No, no, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, un unless you want me to quit? No, I'd love to see you tomorrow, Dan. Uh, okay. And then she says night. I I'm like, this is... <laughs> Like what is happening with maybe he's just trying something out 
I, I'm not yeah. much sure what this is. I, I that's Maybe what I took he was it emboldened as. Emboldened by by he, Shandy or something. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I feel like this is the first glimmer of you know Babs. Let her know. Like this is as lively or whatever. I forget the words. I shouldn't misquote it. But this is as you know as friendly as this bunch gets. And maybe we're finding gets, out. Yeah, right. Maybe we're finding out. Maybe not. Maybe maybe a little time around old Keeley. You know, it's like dunking that cookie in milk. Yes. It's, it sure seems that way. Um, then Dan leaves happy. He kind of he walks off with a smile on his face. Um, we get Barbara comes up. Good night, Mrs. Miss Jones. Oh, night, Barbara. And then right as she's walking away, Jack shows up. And there's a bunch of oohs. Uh, oh, oh, oh. And, and Keely says, oh, do you want to go to the Richmond match tonight? Either of you. And Barbara asks, what, boss? Will it be as violent as last time? Probably not. Then no. Then no. Which is something I know you guys are excited about. That's that Barbara fantastic. Has a little that darker side. Jack says she'll tag along. Uh, and she says to Barbara, can I borrow your office to make some calls? Barbara says, of course, yes, yes, yes. Just don't look at my desk drawer. And they all kind of laugh. And then um, she says, don't. And like, seriously, and then walks away. And what does Jack say, boss? I'm definitely going to look in those drawers. Yeah, definitely look in those drawers. I, I thought I thought that was um, a fun way for the writers to set up. There's going to be some rule breaking going on around here. These two sort of mm-hmm. enjoy breaking rules together. Um, and in real time, I, I didn't know where that what was going to happen with that, but it struck me as like they seem a little too uh, mutually pleased to be doing exactly what they've been told not to do. This is unrelated to this specific show, but as a Bob's Burgers fan, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the best all-time use of this line is every time Linda Belcher leaves the house, she tells the kids, don't go in my room. We have no idea what's in her room other than the stash of secret cash everyone knows about. So I just love this kind of like, don't go in there. Of course, we're going to go in there. Yep. Love it. Um uh, yeah, this is a way to sort of build a little chemistry between the the uh, the characters. Uh, Jack laughs, Keely laughs. They seem to really enjoy each other. Um, I am not not really on board with it. Uh, I don't really get it, but okay, uh, it's fine. Come back to Nelson Road. Fans are cheering. They start going Zava, Zava, Zava. If you got Zava, you might be able to beat Man City if you're a fan of Richmond. Uh, Roy's making the rounds. Uh, he goes to Coach, let's go through this. First of all, he walks up to Van Dam, and what does he say, Coach? Peel him. Right? And the little fist bump, he says, the bumper catch. Slice him. And Danny, he says, what? Cut him. And Danny says, yeah. And he goes to Jan Moss, and he says, what? Mash him. And he goes to Colin, and Colin jumps in, boss, and what does he say? I'm not playing. And Roy says, what, Coach? Chair until your voice bleeds. <laughs> he goes, okay. <laughs> and then he goes to Isaac and says, what, coach? Eat him. And then he goes to Sam. And then what does he say to Sam? Outclass him, Sam. Outclass him, Sam. Yeah. Outclass I, I, him, Sam. I love and it. Isn't that great? I love Thank you, it. coach. Sam loves it. Everybody loves it. The world loves it. Um, uh, Toei Jimo, I texted a picture of on my Amazon Prime uh membership i texted a picture 
where Tohib is now starring in Amazon Prime made movies. Uh, I forget the name of it, but he was like the lead character in like some action adventure. And I was like, oh, no, 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 I am not ready. <laughs> I am not ready for him to not just be Sam. Um, whew. Anyway, yeah, that was tough. How, My, what was your what? Yeah. What did you guys think when I sent you that? I totally got your point. I think that may be an issue beyond us for several of the people on this show, just because this has just been such an impactful uh, experience. And I wish I could remember the the character names, but the one example of this is there was a the there's a guy. He's the uh, oh, dang it. He was like the the therapist on Law and Order. He's like one of the like child therapists they would bring in on Law and Order, but on Oz, he was a complete lunatic. Um, And then someday I'll tell you about my experience of having to stop watching Oz because it was just too much for my psyche. And then, but (laughs) that's a true story. (laughs) Um, But, but uh, yeah, and so every time he'd be there talking to some kid, like part of me would be like, you can't leave that lunatic with a child? And like, (laughs) as if like inside me, I could not, except that he was just an actor like i was just like no 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 he's in he is in disguise and he is crazy and he will kill this kid like he's looking at Adebisi. don't do it and i just yeah i was just stuck in that world oh wait do you mean jk simmons yes thank you yes so number one i love jk simmons number two if you look at any recent photos of jk simmons he and uh david letterman have somehow morphed into the same person they now have like the Is same sort right? of gray beard. Yes. That's Go fine. check it out. It's hilarious. So now you don't need to worry about him with the kids. Now he's just a retired late night host. <laughs> he is so good. J.K. Simmons is one of those uh, actors where when he comes on screen, if you don't know he's going to be in something. I mean, now he's like the lead and everything. But once upon a time, he's one of those actors where if he appears on your screen, you go, oh, shit, this just leveled up. Oh, this is good. This script might actually be good. You, you, you just go. Even if it's yep. crap, he's gonna he's gonna make it better because he is yep. so fucking good. Um, I watched this show with him, Counterpart. I think it was <gasps> yes. Stars, or, right? Did you ever watch that? You watch Counterpart? I, you so and I me, got, we were the two people that did. Nice. We would have been the two people. I watched the first episode, and then whoever's password I had been using for whatever reason, or, or maybe it was like a watch the first episode and then subscribe to Stars or whatever. So I watched the first one and then never came back to it. And then literally yesterday, I was talking about this. And I was like, we need to finish watching Counterpart. Like, we never got around to it. So when I do, I will let you know what I think. Yeah, I mean, for what it's worth, it, it's what I call narcotic TV, which is one of those shows where they have a great high concept premise. You know, oh, I, I do this all the time with my friends. We just joke around like, okay, let's make a high concept premise. That's absolutely preposterous. And you say like, okay, um, okay, you're at a, uh, you're at a resort, uh, for like a call, uh, let's say, uh, seaside resort it's spring break and then what uh okay 100 mermaids crawl out of the ocean okay there's your high high you know high, high uh concept premise and then this is what these shows do they give you this amazing stuff up front to get you hooked and they end every one of the first few episodes with a cliffhanger but then you get to like episode six, seven, eight, and you go they have no fucking idea how to bring this home like they're just pulling shit out of their ass okay and the whole thing is like to get you on the comeback. Um, and Counterpart was much better than that. I think the people that behind it really did know, but it got canceled before you got any resolution. 
And so in that way, it was, you know. Oh, so it's a, a little a, disappointing. A, a later version of Carnival on HBO, which I refuse to pronounce just as Carnival. I only call it Carnival. Uh, that was like early aughts show about a traveling circus sideshow in the Dust Bowl Great Depression era. Yeah. Loved it for the two seasons and then they canceled it. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I, I'm not saying don't watch it. You got Harry. Uh, well, uh, Nazanin uh, Boniati is in, in it, which is one of the most strikingly beautiful people on the planet. Olivia Williams is in it. She's phenomenal. Um, James Cromwell. There's just a lot of there's a lot of talent, a lot of meat on the bone there. Um, Harry Lloyd, if you remember, was also in Game of Thrones. He was the um, he was uh, the Targaryen dude there, um, the older brother Targaryen. Anyway, um, yes, yeah. him. God damn it! What is his name? He always plays a bad guy. He has the face of a bad guy. Viserys. Viserys. Yes. Face of a bad guy. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, Viserys. Yeah, um, he's good in this. He shows a little range. But but you want to kill him anyway? Uh, yeah. So this is not a counterpart uh, podcast. This happens to be a Ted Lasso podcast. So we're gonna jump back into it. Um, outclass him, Sam. Thank you, Coach. Now Roy hears the fans cheering for Zava, 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 and Roy goes, "Wait, Oi, where's Zava?" And we get an insert from Roy's POV looking at Zava's corner. There's no one there. Uh, Jamie opens his hands and like, how the fuck should I know? Like. You know, or who the fuck cares? <laughs> like, I can't really yes, tell. Yes, both. <laughs> Maybe both. Um, now we cut to Ted's office. Uh, Ted walks in. Hey, coach, check it out. Uh, oh, how many? 120 straight days. No pee. No pee drops on the khakis. New right. I think it was like 150 something. Yes. But yeah, it's oh, yeah, completely right. outrageous. And also, New men record. apparently have entirely different relationships with their friends than women do. Because that's not a thing that we keep track of. Or that I thought men needed to keep track of. I don't that one felt a little outside of like, oh, peek inside the locker room. When he said that, I was kind of like, OK, OK, <laughs> wow, thank Ted. God. Wow. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I was fully with him because what happens is, first of all, I'm a white guy, who, which means I wear khakis. I think that's I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Is that I thought it was Wait, part of the uniform, you, but you I mean, you wear them. They're not just like surgically attached at the hips. Yeah, they are. Right. Okay. Exactly. We're born with khakis on mm-hmm. uh, and we just unzip them around the mid thigh if we need shorts. Um, and oh, uh, there is a th- there is a dynamic when you're at the at a, you know, urinal or, or other pee station and uh, you, you tap your, the remnants away. And, and then, uh, you know, with some of us, it's like, you know, it's like a huge uh, endeavor because you're just working with so much. Mass. Obviously. Sure. Um, and, you know, as you can imagine. Yeah. It's just wow. it's just, you know, a gargantuan undertaking um, so that you have to you don't always get all of the moisture to to uh, vacate the mm-hmm. uh, urethra. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, hi to the kids out there, by the way, that are listening. Uh, gra- glad to have you uh, here at the TEDcast. Um, and so sometimes there is some, a tiny bit of. Have you tried change. rolling it up and before was, you zip? L- like a. Yeah. yeah. Like a, a gar- little. Like a, a little. Like a garden, garden hose. Exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's right. Lay flat. That's the uh, trade name of the flat garden hose. Lay flat garden hose. I used to sell hose at my dad's factory for those of you who. Uh, and I had also a fake name there. You want to know what my fake sales name? I was like, I'm not going to answer like my real name, like when customers call. Okay. So I made an entire character 
<laughs> because I hate sales. I hate, especially the outgoing. I can do incoming sales. It's fine. But like, I'd rather do it as a fake person rather than a real person. So my fake like rubber industrial supplies is what we sold. Um, my fake name was Vance McMillan. Sure. Definitely. That's wow. a name that somebody would give their child in. Yep. Vance. Mm-hmm. They'd be like, Hey, is Vance there? But people would call it like, Hey, Oh, I got some. Yeah. Is that guy Vance available? And then one of my brothers would say over the loudspeaker, like Vance line three, you idiot. That's <laughs> 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 uh, great. All is hiding. All is hiding, Coach. I'm sure there's nothing, nothing to uh, explore there. Um, I'm so, not hey, sure coach, you understand how psychologically unhealthy that is. <laughs> no shit, no shit, Coach. Um, Beard is reading Inverting the Pyramid. Uh, you connect with Henry yet? Ted says no. We keep missing each other. Why can't the world just have one big time zone? You know, what does Beard say, Boss? The sun. Right. Gosh dang sun. Oi, oi, oi. And Beard puts his book down, and he looks at Ted, and what does he say, boss? Henry's a good kid, because you're his dad. Mm. And whatever's going on with him, he's going to be just fine. Ted says, thank you, coach. I needed to hear that. No, you needed to hear it. That's what I said. You did? Now, I am lost here. I'm like, are they out of sync? Is that what we're supposed yeah, to say? They're, yeah. What I did thought, he think? I thought what this is- was a disruption in the in the force, or you know what I mean? Like, it feels like right. an extension of that kind of piece. Yeah. That, yeah. Because certainly I wouldn't expect Beard to be the one who misses a beat. If someone's going to miss a beat, Ted would miss a beat because sometimes Ted's, you know, doing Ted things. But for Beard to miss a beat, I thought it was definitely a signal that things are not as they should be. Yeah, it didn't seem like they were teasing, like Beard was screwing around with them. This is not a what's the wordle today ethic. Yeah. Like this felt different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that yeah. laugh that Beard does. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you're right. It's not. I actually, I never mentioned, but I love the line so much. You're yeah. a jerk. Like just the, his delivery on that. I still think yeah. about it. I love it so much. You're a jerk. Yeah. Jerk is, a, it's funny. I wonder where that comes I think, so before I was born, my dad lived in, um, Chicago for a while. And I think he picked up Woo-hoo! a lot of like, yeah, yeah. What up? And so I think he picked up a lot of things there, but jerk is a real prevalent word in our family because it's kind of like a middle word where you can say it, but it's not, you're not like a, it's not like asshole, but it's also not like poopy header. You know, it's like, it's like, yeah. Jer- like, yeah. so jerk has been very, very prevalent in my upbringing and with all my brothers. Like if you say like, you called one of them right now, Hey, what do you think you, what do you think your little brother? They'd be like, "Oh, him? Yeah, yeah. No, he's a he's a jerk. He's a jerk." Is is Jagoff popular in your family at all? Because that's a that's a great Chicago one. That's Jagoff. Hell no. Hell really? No. That oh, is ja- profane. <laughs> no, Jagoff. Jagoff is, is also trashy. Like it's it's because yes, it's Jagoff. Yes, yes, that's it. It's trashy and vulgar and terrible and also mid level for my family. Jag off. Oh, it's jag off. Oh. Mm-hmm. That's I horrifying. I horrifying. <laughs> that that's, you guys just that's had me. a Roy Shandy moment. As you point out, <laughs> would you call it? Would you call it trashy? And trashy. And 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 boss hit you with full Shandy energy with, yeah, 
It is. It's yeah. complete with You're a damn weapon. Right it is. Like the excitement. She couldn't contain herself. Right? That's, that isn't exactly, though. That's its charm. <laughs> oh, God. Terrifying. Um, all right. So uh, uh, Roy enters and shuts the door behind him. And he goes, we got a fucking problem. And uh, we cut to Keely at her desk. Now uh, we, we are now we're cutting back and forth between these these different areas. Um, we are back at KJPR. She smells something rank, checks her shoes to see if she stepped in dog shit. Um, Jack appears in her doorway. And what does Jack say, coach? Two questions. Um, are you ready to leave for the match? And do you smell that awful stench? Right. And Keely says, yes and yes. And then they hear like a little banging and a sheep bleeding and uh, bleat, B-L-E-A-T, in case my I'm not, there's no sheep's bleeding. Um, we hear a bleat and Jack turns as well as she hears it. Oh, my God. What was that? Keely says she hops up out of her chair and we hear uh, more bleeding. Uh, Keely says, this, that's fucking weird. They open the door of the conference room and what do they see in their boss? It's a lamb on the conference table. The old lamb on the conference table gag. Keely said, oh, they said, oh, wow, what the fuck? Where did that come from? Keely leans in, holding her nose, pulls a note off the table, and she reads, oh, my God. And what does it say, boss? The lion has left. Enjoy the lamb, bitch. XOXO Shandy. Jesus. Uh, (laughs) Jack says, it's a gentle reminder to cancel her security badge. Says Keely, fuck me, says Keely. Um, we'll get there, right, coach? Am I, am I right? <laughs> uh, shot, That's correct. We get a, a very, in, listen, you know, listen, so, uh, shot creation is, a, is an art form. Now we get a shot of Keely at the far door, out of focus, and we are in full focus under the lamb as poop. Yeah, between the legs, yeah. Poops drop into frame. Um, Keely says, oh my God, that is so sour. And there's a cut. This is interesting. That's so sour. And she says, I'm so, as she turns, right? And I was like, oh, that's so rare for this show to have a cut in the middle of a word. Mm. And, and usually there's a reason for it. But I'm like, oh, we also couldn't see her mouth. She was turned away from us. So this is just an audio clip. Like they could have just like, I was, that was so sour and then cut. And she says, I'm so, and it seems like a kind of a fuck up. Um, and I pointed out because I'm a nit- nitpicky bastard, and um, I-, I was like wondering, oh, I wonder why. You know, did they think it was f- sometimes you cut, you know, like there's a there's an entire uh, subreddit uh, that is dedicated to pe- like uh, screams that are cut off in the middle of the scream, and it's hysterical. So I'm like, oh, was it? Did they think it made it more funny? Gave it a little more cachet that they cut like mid reaction. So maybe that's all it was. Um, that certainly might might have worked in the room. You listen to it and you're like, oh, it's a little funnier if you if you cut Leave. as yeah. she's moving up. I, I I liked this uh moment for them in terms of they I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it the way I'm thinking it and boss straighten me out if I need straightening out. But I felt like they weren't girls about it. Like it was disgusting and they acknowledged that it was disgusting, but it wasn't like Ew! Like, it was like, I almost got the the feeling like Jack on a dark level kind of gave Shandy a little, like, respect. Like, mm-hmm. wow. Like, <laughs> she really fucking went for it on this one. 
So I, I don't know. There was something about the vibe of it that I thought was cool, and it could have very easily have gone in a much more like, Ew. and it didn't go yeah. that way. It, they definitely, <clears throat> when choosing between going hysteric, over the top, screaming, like they didn't have the lamb chase after them. It was more a what the fuck, yes, which I think fit yes. better. Like not just with yes. their characterization, but also what the fuck. How did you even, where did you get a lamb? Like, yeah. so yes, I agree. I think it would have been better if they played the Benny Hill music over the top and had the lamb chasing them and sped up the video. <laughs> oh, obviously. There we Through KJPR. This is the sophistication that Ted Lasso has been uh, known for throughout. <laughs> that's the shandy that's so edit. <laughs> <laughs> like I've That's tripled it. subscribers to Apple TV. Uh, That's it in the last hour. She she can do no wrong. Now we cut to um, a taste of Athens and tooting. Uh, in the show notes, can you read what I wrote uh, right here, boss? Right there. What did I write? Jesus Christ! I'm all taste of Athens out. Yeah, I'm all taste of Athens out. That's it. That's all I wanted you to read. Because I'm like, oh, we're back to fucking yeah. taste of. Why are we back again? Good Lord. I'm like, all right, fine. Now Nate is entering with Anastasia, the Russian supermodel. He's very proud as he pulls the door open the right way. Like he does a little finger, like pause and demonstrates how he can open a door. Voila. Um, Nate says after you, he's a classy motherfucker. Uh, Anastasia looks around. I would say this is not her usual type of establishment. Um, of course, Jade lives at uh, Taste of Athens and Tuning. He's never not working. Um, and so she uh, is live and in color at the hostess stand. She says uh, uh, she's just standing there and in walks the conquering hero, Jason Jelly. <laughs> <laughs> and what does Jason Jelly say, coach? Hello, Jade. Um... She didn't say anything. Hello, Jade. He gives Shelley. her a second. Yeah, he says Shelly. Uh, reservation uh, for two, thank you. Re- yeah, reservation two. And Jade says, what, boss? And you miss, how can I help you? Because wow. they can't possibly be together. Right, right. And she she is like, oh, uh, uh, you know, you get the sense Anastasia doesn't do a lot of her own uh, checking in. Mm-hmm. Um and Nate says, "Oh no, no, no! She, we, uh, this is Anastasia. She's a very famous model, and uh, we are on a date together, two for two. It, so one of the things that I'll say is, it, number one, I feel like I like Jade a little bit more than you guys might. Uh, number two, what oh, I no actually full on respected her for in this case was that she did not all of a sudden change when she saw Nate come in with Anastasia." She was not like, oh, well, now he's important. So now I'm going to pay attention to him. She knows that he's a shit burger from the second he comes in. And she continues treating him like a shit burger until the very end of this interaction. Because regardless of who he is or who he comes in with or how much he is trying to show off, she sees through his bullshit and knows that he's shitty and treats him as such. And I appreciate that. Here's here's the for those of you, I, I just always like to direct people to watch Altered Carbon Um, because in Altered Carbon, you live in a world where your consciousness goes into a stack. It's just like a little, looks about the size of a pill, pill container. And uh, 
and it's just a little cylindrical thing. And then you get to pick your, um, what do they call it? Your, your sleeves. Sleeves. That's it. Yes. You get to pick your sleeve. And I'm like, a coach, my thing I always say is like, I would just pick Cam Newton. Like, I would just be like, that's the most beautiful man in the world. Like a giant, full of muscles, giant smile. You know what I mean? Like, just beautiful and, and can run fast and can, you feel like, oh, if Cam Newton had to kind of break down a door, he could do it. You know what I mean? Just like basic. Uh, Yep. 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 Beautiful monster. You know, just beautiful, beautiful man. And, um, none of us get to choose our bodies. And this is like the thing about, uh, you know, this, this now, this next little interaction, Anastasia has, hello, um, you have a very cute head. And Jane says, thank you. I got it from my father. And I'm like, yeah, if, if we all get to pick model body, like this is a total dice roll, man. Like there's no, there's no, you know, rhyme or reason to it. it, it you know, it's how far your, your eyes are from the center of your head and where your, you know, the shape of your chin and all these things. Um, in my case, I look like um, I look like a, a green grocer who uh, like doesn't like sort of moonlights as a Zamboni driver. So, <laughs> so what I don't look like is what my political beliefs are. I do not look like that. So I will often go into places and then have people uh, look at me like, oh, he's one of us. And I'm like, oh, oh, shit. Um, uh, actually, sir. Um, uh, so I, uh, I always think I fantasize about being able to just go, yeah, no, no, I'm going to try on a different sleeve because I didn't like this. I didn't, I didn't necessarily pick this, pick this one, uh, coach, I would throw it to you, but I, I don't think any, uh, anyone, uh, born non-white would ever want to like deal with like, you know, changing the appearance or whatever. I just don't think that's a thing. Oh no, there's nothing about, no, it's all. <laughs> What was it? Was it Chris? Was it Chris Rock that did that thing where he was like, uh, "No one, no white person in history would ever switch spots with me, and I'm rich, and I'm like, rich." He, yeah, he go back mm-hmm. anywhere through time. Yeah, yeah. even in ancient Rome, and no white person in ancient Rome would switch places with Chris Rock, and I'm rich. Yeah, pretty amazing. Yes, pretty, it, yeah. it's. It's the same reason that time travel is almost exclusively uh, an idea for white men. Because, like, as a as a white lady, I could go back a little bit and be okay. But if I'm, if anybody was like, oh, wouldn't it be great to see the founding of America, to go back to 1660 and see what's going on in Salem, I'd be fucking burned like a witch immediately. Oh, without yeah. Without saying you, anything. You do have that witch vibe, yes. No, I, I can't get into all of it because my mom is a hippie and she has too many reasons as to why she thinks that I might be a witch. But number one, I was born in the bag, which apparently is a witch thing. And number two, I have a dot on one of my eyes that is apparently a witch's mark. And I have a mole on my lip, which is also a witch's mark. So literally, if I were born in the 1600s, they would have burned me at the stake before my 10th birthday. Yeah, you got the witch trifecta. If that's it. Listen, I just really appreciate you bringing that like sweet ass Wicca energy to this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying I believe it. I'm just saying I know what would have happened to me. Yeah. Well, anyway, my point is like, I just wish we could see people for who they are rather than what they look like. Like Nate uh, objectively is probably not going to have, it's funny because Sudeikis, uh, there was a show called um, David Wayne made a show 
uh, director David Wayne. It was like a internet, or I don't know, it's on the internet now, but it was like called Wayney Days. It was just this little series of sketches. And one of them, he wanted to change his appearance to be somebody really handsome. Like, I wish I could be just like genuinely, uh, objectively good looking. And the person that he like became in his, in his, uh, dream sequence was Jason Sudeikis, like a young, handsome, you know, tall, dark, and handsome Jason Sudeikis. And so, you know, there's certain people that just have that, that look. And I think Nick Muhammad is, is super, super interesting. Um, but you know, like just in my case, I'm short. I'm never going to slam dunk a basketball. What, what would I, you know, I would love to have 20 minutes of, you know, to be like, I have, I have a brother-in-law who's six, five. Um, I wouldn't mind taking his place for 20 minutes to just get some ups and, uh, and, and try that out. So I just, it's, it drives me crazy when we, um, we view people by what we see rather than like who they are, but there's no way to see that. There's no glasses you can put on that shows you someone's aura or someone's, you know, the whole state of their being. And I go, ah, it's such a, it's such a, it's just like, it fucks everything up. Um, yeah. Also not, not to, not for nothing, but there's all these studies where, uh, human beings view attractive people with more trust than unattractive people. Yeah. And I go, yes. oh, that yeah. is such a fucking nightmare. A, yeah. That is a nightmare. We can't even help ourselves. It's really interesting. <sighs> yeah. They actually, um, it, so I'm sort of torn on this. I think that there are so many nonverbal cues that are chosen by people that there is a way in which you could decipher stuff about people's personalities that isn't related exclusively to how they look physically. So, yes, racism bad. I'm going to go out on a, a far limb and say, I don't support racism. I think it's a bad thing. That's I know. why you tune in, folks, for the hot takes. Controversial take, but um, but I also think like the way people dress and carry themselves and how they speak to others, there are ways in which you could figure out these things. But I also know that they showed people just pictures of candidates, political candidates, no information, and said, which one would you want to vote for? And somehow people ended up voting for the candidate that belongs to their identified party. So I, as a Democrat, would be more likely to pick the candidate that is a Democrat, even though I don't know which one it is. Wow. Yes. So there's some weird fucked up shit that happens. I don't know how to explain it, but people do weird stuff. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, well, Anastasia, she takes the initiative. She says hello. to. First of all. This is the most, uh, well, she says, hello, um, you have a very cute head, which is, I think people always enjoy comments about their head. Um, (laughs) Jade says, what boss? Thank you. I got it from my father. And between, um, and miss and you miss, how can I help you? And then thank you. I got it from my father. I'm like, that's gotta be the most we've ever heard Jade say in like back to back interactions. Um, she grabs the menu. She says, right this way. And she turns to walk them back to the back of the restaurant. I'm like, are you for fucking real right now? Yeah. Jade? Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is, yeah. I, I was like, this is over the top now, Jade. Come on now. Look at boss. Look at her face because she I, likes to fuck with people. I she still likes it. troublemakers. You still support yeah. it. Look at the still smile on your it. face. I want you to analyze your own smile and understand that there is something behind it. That is, you are recognizing that this is shitty in some way. Oh, yes, absolutely. But I'm an asshole. And as I maybe have explained on the show before, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I am, is that uh, what I think is that assholes have the 
they are aware of their ability to make people feel shitty and they use it when needed. I, I think that that is what identifies good assholes. So she, she's doing God's work here, you're saying. He he deserves to be treated like a pissant um, and brought back to the back of the restaurant because he has done – what what transgression did he do, by the way? Was he – because he was just uh, – he forced her I, – I, I'm, I'm trying to look back. I'm going back through all their interactions mm-hmm. – he called about the table. He found out the table was available. He brought his dad there. It's their family's favorite restaurant. I'm again, what is his major transgression that Jade is uh, tasked with sticking it up his ass about right now? Oh, nothing to her. He hasn't done anything to her. I will fully admit that. She just knows. She just knows that on some level, he is shitty in a way that deserves to be knocked down a little bit. And I don't know how she knows that. I know that she does. Because I know that there are times when I can read it and other people too. And I'm like, oh, I need to fuck with them. Because they they are somehow entitled in a way that I don't know how to describe. But I know that I need to let them know that I don't think they're entitled. That I do not believe them when they say that they deserve something. Mm-hmm. I don't I think I can fully articulate type. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, coach. You're no, on. no, no. You coach. Go, go. I, well, I was just going to say, I can't articulate how much I am enjoying this exchange between the two of you <laughs> because propriety coach, you're, has I such know a you're place in Castleton's life and boss is not, this is actually, the beauty of this is, this is actually not boss fucking with coach. This is boss really saying like what you really, yes, I, on, on this one, although. Wait, I what has a place in my life? I propriety. spoke over you, so I... Oh, propriety. Yes. And yes. so the idea of this is is fundamentally offensive to you. Right? It's, and well, so I'm watching your face knowing you and that you're... It's, it is crushing you that someone could have not... There's no actual transgression, but there's just an assessment that so it's, this person in front of me needs to be knocked down a peg or two and I'm just the person for the job. So, yeah. You two are, you couldn't be further apart on how to handle this. Oh, definitely. And I feel like this is where I need to jump in and say that I am the person that is the nicest to any waitstaff, hotel clerks, anything. I am overly polite. I tip too much. I tell people, oh, no, thank you. That's a thing that I say a lot. The only person in my life I know who is kinder to people that I interact with the people that they interact with um, is the boyfriend. And he is so nice to, especially like fast food service workers. One, because he's a decent human being, so he's not going to shit on them. Two, he is so happy that somebody is bringing him food that he would marry the next person that brought him a burger. Really. <laughs> I, I have seen him while I was standing with him. There was a woman who he was so kind to, she was like, oh, and did you want that root beer float? And he was like, oh, no, thanks. I don't need that. And then we went and sat down and she came over. She's like, oh, they accidentally made the root beer float. So here you go. I'm like, I'm his girlfriend. I am I am sitting right here. How come I didn't get a shake? Where's my ice cream? God damn it. Anyway, um, so that is just a slight defense that I tr- generally try to be kind to people. Unless they are so visibly shitty as Nate is. In this constructed world where we know more about Nate, then I feel like it's okay to be an asshole to them. Okay. And you said, like, this person needs to, needs to be messed with 
and and something in your psyche goes, yeah, I'm going to be, I'll be the person. Listen, here, here's the, here's there's this amazing. I want, uh, I want to point people towards a show on uh, Tulu. It's a shot in Australia. It's called Mister In Between, and this is sort of the premise of. Have you ever, ever watched that? I've tried to get everybody to watch this. I've watched a few episodes. I need to get back into it. You got to get through the first few episodes. It's one of those shows where it takes a couple episodes to find its its way. Uh, but there's some amazing performances. And this guy has to go into therapy because he's out with his daughter and he's walking down the street and two guys bump his little girl and knock his knock her ice cream cone off and falls on the street. And they just like laugh and walk away. And he's like, hey, you going to like say sorry? And they're like, you know, they swear at him in front of his daughter and they walk away. So he's like, OK, so he puts his daughter in the car. And then he walks up and then he just beats, <laughs> beats the shit out of one. Of the, it was like just one kick and one punch. The other guy runs off. He happens to do it right in front of a police officer and he gets arrested and he's got to go to like anger management, or whatever. And they're trying to coach him out of, you know, the therapist is like, hey, man, like I'll put the I'll put a link to this scene because I love it so much. You don't have to watch the whole episode, but this one scene and th- this character he he says, like, listen, that's why there are so many assholes, because everybody lets them get away with it. Somebody has to stick up for and he's and he's like you, boss. He's like, I am not saying I'm a good guy, but I'm saying I am the instrument of the wake up call where you're not what you think you are, fucker. And and he is so I just it's so it, listen for someone like me who is not going. I've said before, I'm not very provocable, not at all provocable. Um, and so I just. <laughs> I think it's like beautiful in a way that there are people like you out there that are willing to take take a stand uh, on behalf of the rest of us lemmings who just <laughs> eat, eat shit all day. So thanks, boss. I try. I do try. Okay. So uh, Jade says, uh, right this way, Nathan says, oh, no, sorry, Jade, dear. Uh, we would like the uh, window table, please. And Jade says, that by itself is enough reason for Jade to be shitty to Nate because he said, oh, Oh, but but she keeps he I think it's enough reason for Nate to say the deer to Jane because like he's like, I'm ahead. Listen, he's a tactician. And what she doesn't know is she says, I'll have to go ask Derek. He's like, I already checked with Derek. Oh, what's up? Nate's false nine in in tooting. What's happening now? I mean, this is what you need to do, though, Nate. Like, this is the thing. If that's what you want, if you want to be that much of a badass, then be that much of a badass. But you don't get to, like, come in and call her. What he does is punch down routinely, like across the board. That is true. And so if Nate is going to continue punching down, uh, number one, it makes my blood boil when people do that. When you decide to take your own insecurities out on people that you consider to be less powerful than you, it does make me get stabby. So I hate that he does that. But Stabby. Stabby, coach. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot stabby. But if if you are going to do that, then you fucking do it well and you be powerful enough that you can boss around other people. Like, part of what bothers me so much about Nate is that he picks on Will, he picks on Colin, he picks on people on uh, West Ham players, never stands up to Rupert. Like, he is mean to other people and then he also isn't even, like, a fucking badass about it. It's the worst combination. See, makes me the, nuts. One of the things I'm finding fascinating about your your take here, boss, is that you're you allow in this for 
Jade to have your ability to intuit that this mm-hmm. needs to happen. Because in terms of our experience of Jade and Nate, I would say that Jade has been at, I would actually say she's been more jerky to Nate than Nate has been jerky to her. But I yes. like, but so you're saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. But cosmically, he's got it coming. And it's, I, I kind of appreciate that. I so mean, she's I, the, she's the Tish of Taste of Athens. She, she's cosmically tuned into whatever jerkiness he's is got happening. Going. I think that her role as a hostess would mean that she is very good at recognizing these things and that she can read people almost immediately. I think also that because this is a contrived scene in real life, if I went to a restaurant and the hostess was like, no, we're not going to seat you at that empty table. I'd be like, what the, why the fuck not? What, what is happening? And then I would like my asshole. (laughs) Wow. Sorry. Wow. We stopped at, we stopped at my asshole. I don't think we're allowed to talk like that at work anymore, boss. Yeah, I almost said my asshole would activate, and then I realized that that was not going to sound great as just a clip. But, like, that would make me want to, like, it would raise my hackles. And I'd be like, why do you think you get to mistreat us? What is going on? Because it's a show, I believe that she is more of an instrument for this type of thing than a fully developed character up until this point. Yeah, well, you know how I lament that children aren't uh, aren't exposed to everything, and we can't find their true superpower. But I like how you automatically credit uh, hostesses with the ability to recognize and instantly figure out people at a moment's notice. Because in my experience, <clears throat> what they're great at typically is um, double checking the number of people in front of them. So you walk in, it's like two of you, and they're like, they just stare for a second, they go. Like table for two, <laughs> yep. That's uh, that'd be. Two. And then what they do is they walk you to the place in the restaurant that you least want to sit. So you walk by thirty beautiful tables, and they put you like with one person with a leg inside the restroom, and you're like, uh, hey, could we get that? The is it possible to? That's uh, that's always happened. I'm sure it's me. That's why because I, you know, I look like a guy that. You can you can kick around. That's it. That's so that's what happens, boss. So so what I was just gonna say is I'm not a good person and people don't generally like me. Like I think I've mentioned that I have resting bitch face when I walk. It's just how I am. I'm very off-putting if you see me out in the wild. Uh but at restaurants, I somehow accidentally get very good seats. It helps that I go out to eat by myself <laughs> a lot. They're so like, I don't like, want to deal with this lady. I know what she's no, all about. Uh, yeah. I'm, no? And no. Oh no, it's I, not that. It's not I, the RBF. I think that they think I'm nice. Like I come in and I smile and I'm like, "Hey, do you have room for one? Can I sit at the bar?" And they're like, "Oh, let's sit you ni- right next to the window because it's 70 degrees out." Like I don't know if this is the thing where I'm so nice to them that they're nice to me back, but I, hostesses love me. Waitresses, any sort of bar staff, oh, give me a break. I could marry any one of them that I've met. Coach where, what is happening, Coach? What? Who is this person? <laughs> this is amazing. I feel I, I'm I'm really just soaking it up. I'm just like that is fascinating. Coach like, is such a is you want to talk about cowards? Coach is, a, is such a <laughs> fucking coward. I know him. I've known him forever, and there are so many things that you say 
And mm-hmm. I look over him with the anticipation, like, oh, he's not going to like this. And he is just beaming. He's got a huge <laughs> smile on his face. He's like, I'm going with it. Like, fuck it. The one thing I'm not doing on this podcast is ever going against Boss. I love everything she's about. You, you mean the you mean the woman who's got a blood guy? No. I'm, I'm all I'm all set. <laughs> so, so the so the best the best roles are always like the crazy ones. And Nate says, I already checked with Derek. Jay, Jay says, I'll have to go ask Derek. I already checked with Derek. And in comes Derek. He does this little dance coming out, sing songy. Derek is played by Spencer Jones. And I think Spencer Jones kills it. You know, we're talking about like, you know, there's, there's uh, only no small roles, only small actors. I think he just, his stock went up by playing this idiot. He's so irritating. <laughs> it is so frustrating. But what a tool Derek is. But it's perfect because I almost underneath all this, I can feel him like almost he thinks he is giving a, a, a masterclass on how absolutely to, right absolutely greet big time guests and all and i'm like you are such a knob like this is outrageous so yeah i think uh, yes i agree with you the actor crushes it the the worst people often think they're the best coach and he's like look at it's only my, now i got yes i got i got these uh celebrities in my place pretty soon this place is going to be just hopping with celebrities out the door we're on our way thanks to my brand of charm and wit um, he comes out. Oh, Nathan Jelly, Jelly, uh, the Wonder Kid. He offers a fist bump, and he goes, "Yeah, yeah, touch it." Oh, ew, touch it! Ew, ew. There's touch never, it. there is never a good reason to say touch it. There's never ah, been a reason ever. Oh God. Yeah, boss, touch it, touch it, boss. Oh, look, it's her face. Yeah, I wish everyone could see her face. Yeah, Re- it's revulsion. It, I'm, I'm that, that is real. That's a visceral reaction. Touch me. No. No, no, that's it. Boss says no. Um, so, uh, he does it. He gives him a little fist bump. Derek does the, and, uh, he goes, and whoa, 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 slap me around the face. Am I dreaming? The one and only Anastasia in my restaurant. And when he says in my restaurant, he does a little double hip thrust. Like a two hip pumps. <laughs> ah, it's so great. Why that is, is that? Torture. Why is that the choreography uh, for a restaurant though? Like what? Uh, like there's nothing. What? I thought that I in real time I was like that was the oddest choice by him. Why hip thrust? Why? It's magical. It's every bit as magical as. Ring a ding ding, wedding calling, like the dumb, yes, the crazy yes. stupidity of that, and the incongruous uh, motions, and you know what I mean? You're just like, oh my god, like what? Why a hip thrust? Double hip thrust? Bam, bam! He just taps it twice because he's Derek, and um, he says, "I'm a huge fan of your face and body." And this is the worst thing he'll ever say in his entire life. <laughs> Because it's so, like, I have a rule that you judge people on essentially what they do, not who they are. Like, who you are are immutable things that you are born with that cannot be changed. So I would never judge a person for being a specific color or think worse of them because of their race or anything like that. But if you say touch it, you're a bad person. So when you tell somebody, I'm a huge fan of your face and body. 
gross. I didn't have anything to do with that. That's just the way it is. Like if you said, oh, I love your hair. That's something I did. I made that choice. And then I worked at it in order to make that happen. So if you compliment me on that, what you're saying is you made a good choice and I like the work you did. And that is something that I can feel good about. But saying like, man, your ass sure looks great. Not a compliment, actually, because I didn't do anything about that. How would Derek know, boss? How would Derek know? Well, well, one, that's a really I'm loving that take. I feel like I'm stepping in between. I don't know. I don't even know what to call this now. But but, but what I love, I love the take. I love the take that you know it was the, the the face. of I just thought for me, what worked about it was it was gross. I think we all can agree. Try to never ever say that to a woman, no matter who you mm-hmm. are. It's just weird. Also, though. As I thought about it, I was like, of course, that's what he's a fan of. That's all there is to be a fan of. Like, that is actually why it matters that she's standing there. That is actually why she would expect the manager of West Ham to, like, it's not as if, you know, she's like, have you read my latest blog post? I mean, like. Yes. I mean, she is a model. So, like, her face and body is the way that she makes her living. You just didn't say it. But but it well, was like, it yeah. but how would he know? How would he know? Like, he's like, oh, you're a swimsuit model, whatever you're like. So he's like face and body. Like, that's what he knows of her. That's what she puts on display to be paid. How how I'm saying this is just goes back to my uh, listen, I don't think it's good. I'm not saying we should all say it. Um, I'm definitely going to say it to boss all the time. I, offline. I, yeah. I, uh, I cannot wait to just make her a touch it T-shirt. Um, <laughs> but but. But again, I go, okay, this is the same thing as Shandy. This is gatekeeping. And you go, no one ever taught, who would have taught Derek? You don't say, mm-hmm. like, that's where the line is. He's not, he's trying to do the best he can. He's a yutz. He's a halfwit. Um, he has limited <laughs> skills, but he's smart enough to own a restaurant. And like I said, those half of them go out of business in the first six months. So mm-hmm. he's doing something right. This is the family restaurant. It's been around for a long time. Um, maybe his skill set is not, um, you know, the front end, uh, a customer facing, uh, a dynamic, but how would he, how would he know that now? Yes. Again, I say that he shouldn't say that. I just wonder who would have ever told him that. So I think that this is going to be an ongoing, uh, us figuring out each other's position on this. Like, it, because I think when I say stuff like Higgins is a coward, it sounds like I'm being harsh and I'm not trying to necessarily. How would he know that? Maybe he wouldn't. Maybe nobody has ever told him in his life that that's not a thing that you do. That what you say to a model is, I love your work instead of, I love your face and body. Maybe nobody told him that. That might not be his fault. The fact of the matter is, he is now, at this stage in his life, a person who says to a strange woman, I love your face and body. I'm not assigning You think he's ever said that before, though? He's probably never said that before. He's only said it because his his awareness of Anastasia is that she is a face and body model. And therefore he's, he's trying to make a nice compliment. He thinks it's a very clever compliment. I'm sure from his perspective. So let me ask you, like, did you think he was trying to be creepy or do you think he was trying no. to be like witty and charming? No, I right. think he is creepy. I don't, oh, right, but, but, was, but trying not, to be, ver- you think a double, a double hip, hip thrust is creepy. <laughs> Come on. No, Jesus. I think Coach, that- back me up here. Touch it. In fairness, <laughs> a, in fairness, 
a double hip <laughs> thrust is ASL for a restaurant. So, in fairness. Oh, there we go. Uh, there. See, Damn boss, it, coach, you're not always right. Not, always, not right. always right. No, yeah. I, I think what you were saying is let's look at the background in order to determine what brought him to this place so that we can make a proper judgment about who he is as a person in this place. I understand that. What I'm saying is we need to start with the acknowledgement that he is a creep right now, regardless of how he got here, regardless of all of the terrible people who let him down all throughout his life. Absolutely might be true. What we are dealing with is a creep. And we need to start from there and then figuring out how to fix it afterwards. Not excusing any of his behavior or saying he couldn't have known this. We can't mitigate until we deal with the fact that who he is right now is a guy that says touch it to a customer. So, yes, to everything you said, I would say what I'm hearing between in this conversation, seriously, is the difference between what boss I think is presenting as an assessment and what to some degree, coach, I hear you, you're experiencing as a verdict. Derek is a creep. Yes. And I think like, as if it's like a pronouncement and that is all he'll ever be. And I I hear boss saying Derek is a creep in this moment. He may continue to be a creep or not. We'll see. Right. Right. And in the Ted Lasso world, there's there's always a way back. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Derek, uh, this is this is great. Um, he's trying to face and body. She's clearly grossed out by it. It's like a really funny expression. Um, he goes, best table in the house for you to write me of master of the house uh, from right. That sort of whatever best table in the house. Um, uh, dummy Derek pulls out her seat. He, oh, he walks up, walks up in the window. He goes on her side. He sort of stands in her way because he's a fucking idiot. And he pulls her seat out an inch. It's so f- – I'm like, what are you do- – do you have any concept uh, of how, even how to pull out a chair? She tries to slide in in front of him, and she just drops her – she's got like a stole. It just drops it because he didn't offer to take it. And he goes, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we get a shot from, from behind Nate, and he's looking over at Jason Jelly from behind Anastasia, pointing to her like their best buds. He's like, holy shit, dude. And I'm like, I cannot believe what, <laughs> what I'm seeing. And then how jealous I am that he got to play that role. It's so much fun. Those roles are so much fun. You don't want to play, you know, the straight man. You want to play this fucking whack job. Uh, it's so gross. He hands them menus. Um, says, there you go. Nate says, thank you, Derek. He says, enjoy. Nate says, thank you. And um, Anastasia turns the, the penny she has a menu on the table she has her right hand in the air like in this very sort of diverted gesture like she doesn't want to actually touch anything too much yeah right mm-hmm. um and um jade comes up to fill their waters uh which i'm like oh jade's also a waitress like i didn't i just thought she stood at the front i guess she's a, did you guys think she was a waitress or that she was just a hostess I think sometimes hostesses bring me water and say the waiter will be right over. I didn't think that this was outside of the hosting responsibilities. Yeah. Okay. So um, uh, I can, I was thinking, oh God, she must be just like rolling in tips with that personality. She must just be like, <laughs> like just carrying away bags of coins every night. Um, uh, 
Anastasia says what right in front of Jade while she's filling water. So what does she say, boss? It's not very nice in here. And Jade gives her a look, and I've said this offline to this team. Um, she gives her a look that is, <laughs> is pure boss. For those of you that don't know boss, the look that Jade gives Anastasia that could kill, like if the, like a death stare, I have seen that on boss's face 5,000 times, that exact look. So lest you wonder what it's like to be on the inside, that's what it looks like. Yes. So um, uh, Nate says, oh, oh, no, but just wait till you try the food because the, the bakl- baklava is divine. I think he calls it baklava. Um, and Jade, Jade holds back a laugh and Nate notices it. There's like a little – Nate is aware of Jade's presence at the table. Uh, he, he notices her before he says it. Then he notices the little laugh that she holds back. And that's interesting to him. Um, and there's a little shot of Anastasia after Jade walks away, giving him a look like he doesn't know the rules. Like he doesn't know, like, this is not how you do it, fella. You know, you don't belong. Well, well, it's going to come up a little bit more, so I don't want to belabor it here. But I here I found myself, and this is rare for me in, in the Ted Lasso dumb. I found myself feeling that there was confusion like on the storytelling level. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how this all unfolds, but on the one hand, it feels like Anastasia is just his way to make Jade jealous. He hopes, but then also he seems to actually be trying to impress Anastasia, but also why would you think like it's even as Nate, why would you believe that taking that woman to that restaurant would like they're, they're like almost like diner menus? And I've eaten at places like that that have amazing food. I'm with them on that. I've also been to some really fancy places that made me want to like throw my water glass at the chef. So <laughs> I get like the amount of what it costs is not what you you know, like how good it is, but to me. I, I just don't, I cannot fathom, I just cannot fathom being in New York and being told, hey, um, I'm just going to choose some random name of somebody I think of as like, whatever, Halle Berry wants to have a meal with you. And I'm like, you know, we should go to Papaya's on 72nd. They have the best hot dogs. Like, are you insane? <laughs> you just know, like. You now, yeah. if you take her to you know wherever Russian tea room, and she says, "Oh God, I hate pretentious stuff." Let's go. Then you say, "Oh well, just so happens I love you know papaya. It's great." But like this idea, like I don't know, I, I something here doesn't. It it really feels to me in this show like I'm watching something that the writers just decided. Although I understand how stories are created, right? It feels to me often like I get it. I get that that Roy would say, I'm going to train you at four o'clock in the freaking morning. But this just didn't, I don't know. This scene didn't add up for me. It just didn't. Yeah. And I think that there's some clarification later that explains more how bad Nate is at this. But it did seem like a, I didn't know either what they were setting up here. Like, is Jade supposed to be the love interest? Anastasia obviously isn't. Is this Nate getting better, quote unquote? Like, is he becoming 
uh, uh, more socially aware? Is he able to treat people better? Like, what is this scene supposed to be establishing? And I didn't have any idea at this point either. Great job, Jamie Lee. F minus. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> and that's only because there's no G minus. <laughs> right. <laughs> Snow 21st. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, now we, uh, we cut from there to uh, game time. And Rebecca gets a text from Keeley. Um, she's in the stands waiting for, you know, in her usual spot where Keeley usually shows up. Um, Keely says, uh, the text from Keely says, can't make it to the match. Long story involving this. And it's a little video of the lamb. She writes, love you. Exclamation point. Rebecca's response is I have a hundred questions, but I'll save them. I couldn't believe how fast she typed. I was like, Jesus Christ. Um, and, um, and then right after that, she gets a new text from Dr. Wagner. And what does it say, boss? Hi, Rebecca, have your results. I'll call after the match to discuss. Right. And I noticed her phone is set to military time, which like freaks me out because I hate I hate it. Isn't that a British thing, or am I wrong about that? Is it? You may like, be right. That I does like sound it, vaguely familiar. Yeah. It, although maybe it's I don't know. They do they drive on the wrong side of the street over there. They call it baklava. I don't know. It's an entirely different world. Yeah. No, it is. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um. So uh, then we get a little follow up uh, text from Dr. Wagner. It says, "Go Richmond." Um, then Higgins shows up, he sighs, he leans into her. And what does he say, coach? I have some bad news. Right. And we hear the crowd cheering. We cut down to the field where Jamie and Danny are loosening up. Jamie's let's go lads. Let's go. Come on. And Arlo says, Richmond already start the game with Colin Hughes in place of Zava. Hughes for Zava. Any thoughts, Chris? And Chris says, what boss? Yes. That's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. That's good. It's got to it's got to make uh, Colin feel great. Uh whistle blows and we see Ted sitting alone in those Richmond chairs that look like airline seats or boat seats or those really high tech uh, gaming gaming chairs. You ever see those uh that's the biggest racket in the world. Uh your kids get into video gaming and they're like, "Can I get a gaming chair?" And it's like, "Sure. $480 for a game." I'm like, "No, that's a chair." No. Like, no. I have to put you through college. There's no <laughs> like and they they also suck. There's no there's not they're not great and people get rid of them. Uh people are giving them away all the time because they're like these things suck. They have they sometimes have speakers in them that go bad in like 8 minutes. Um so yeah, don't don't do it parents. Um now there's no Roy or Beard and Arlo says and we're off, but where is Zava? And now Beard and Roy walk in. Ted says, "Hey, any news?" Beard says, "Nobody knows where he is." And what does Roy say, coach? That fucking prick's not answering his phone. Right. And then what does Beard say, boss? Neither is his agent, his manager, his publicist, his trainer, his acupuncturist, his acupressurist, his fecalist, his avocado whisperer, not even his barber. I I, I mean, great list. Great list. Funny. Fecalist to me. It was like, they were like, Orlando, we understand. Jamie Lee said, Orlando's going to be pissed about this taste of tooting nonsense. So I got to give him, <laughs> like, I, he, this guy's been defending me season, defending this show season after season. Mm-hmm. I got to give him something. And so in comes Fecalist. And I just, I laughed. 
I laughed watching it. I have laughed not watching the show, just remembering that Zava mm-hmm. has a fecalist. That is so mm-hmm. funny. I'll double your pay. Three months vacation, a company car, and a licensed fecalist. <laughs> licensed, with me. That's right. That's right. Um, so Ted says, oh, maybe he's dead. And Roy says, what, coach? Fucking better be. Okay. <laughs> I Okay. So I like this, but I found myself going, oh, Roy, Roy's out of his, uh, out of his stupor. Because a lot of like the like we uh Tazava, Tazava, Tazava. I was like, what is this? Right? Like as a matter of strategy, I get that you've got this superstar, but it just it, something wasn't resonating for me. And to me, Roy here is saying, like, okay, I don't give a fuck if you are Zava, like I've got a line yeah. and you have cro- you have officially crossed the line. And and I yeah, I was I was happy to hear this because I feel like a lot of this has been insane. I, I don't think Roy was as up Zava's ass as everybody else because when Jamie came in to say, hey, we don't need him, Roy's head turned at his desk, right? He marked that. Then all the little moments with Jamie, when, when Zava stole the goal for Jamie, Roy was in on that. Like all the little – he's been with he, – Yeah, he's you know, seen he's, it. it goes back yeah. to his thing where he says, yeah, he's crazy, but he'll help us score goal. He'll help us win or whatever. You know, like, it's like he, he really – Understood. And so his hands were tied to some extent about what he could or couldn't do. And you got to kick this out. Like you saw, he scored every goal for Richmond this season. <laughs> like, like he was the real deal. Um, but yes, I, it does feel like now if he's going to kill him, it's a whole different, uh, it is a different tier of being out of the Zava uh, malaise or whatever it is. Yeah. It, it, I love that we brought up that Roy has been clocking this every time because I love Roy and Jamie together so much. I also feel like there is an extent to which Roy and Zava have that mutual respect. The head nod when he Zava came into the locker room, like they see each other as being on the same level. I feel like that means yeah. Roy is going to respect that Zava can carry the entire team and he's going to allow that to happen. But Zava is now not respecting the team. And that's where Roy draws the line. Like, Good call. you don't fuck with Richmond. You know, I, I'm just going to I'm going to highlight actually two things. One is, uh, this is Roy and Keeley each in their own way exhibiting what you just described. That, like, it's all good. I'll figure it out. But if you fuck up what we're doing here, we're going to have a problem. So I just think that's interesting that we're watching them both do that. The other is, it's the Jamie, and when you just said it, it hit me, the Jamie-Roy dynamic this season, it reminds me of at the end of Almost Famous, um, where, you know, our star thinks he's going to see the girl and he's actually not. He's going to see someone he needs to make amends with who's a guy. And although we don't get to this place in the same way, um, like it's not like Keely masterminded having them work together. I think the impact of it is similar story-wise where you go, this isn't really... A, a love triangle in that we're not, we, they were never actually battling over Keely. Keely was with Jamie and then Keely was with Roy. Now there may have been times where she said, Ooh, Jamie looks mighty nice in that suit as Roy makes me want to kill him. Cause he won't respect my wishes when I die. But, <laughs> <laughs> 
But you know what I mean? Like it wasn't, you know, she wasn't like hopping in and out of bed with each of them and deciding like, oh, but I like this about him and I like that about him. So I, I, I'm, I'm really, yeah, I'm, I'm really liking getting Rory and and Jamie on that same thing, especially after the hug last season. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so we got to we should cut up to a after after a fucking better be we should cut up to a drone shot of Nelson Road as the game plays out. Arlos says Richmond have played without Zawa for 10 minutes and we're all left wondering why. Cut to KJPR. Keely says goodbye to the lamb. The animal wrangler dude from the uh, commercial is there. Keely says goodbye, my sweet little stinky friend. And she says, if Shandy asks to borrow an animal again, please say no. And um, the gentleman says, oh, sorry, Keely. She promised to get me, she promised to get a date with, get me a date with a celebrity. I've always wanted to come out of a restaurant and say, no pictures, please. To which Keely says, what? Boss? Edward, gotta love someone for what they are, not who they are. I didn't right. I didn't mean to set it up where I said the thing about judging them before. Because I'd forgotten Keely said something similar. Per, well, what they are, not who they are. Right. And so now we know that the Wrangler's name is Edward. Um, and Keely, uh, I like that he apologizes. He says, sorry, Keely. Like, it's just like the barista who knows her name. It's just like, everybody knows who Keely is because she's that person and she's great. Um, and now, uh, Jack says, what coach? And here is a giant bag of shit. And I have, I think I've shared this before in our, um, quite succinct review of the show. But um, I I believe that I love a body woman character, not just like foul, you know what I mean, but like body. And to me, I love that she said, "And here is a giant bag of shit." Like it was mm-hmm. just like it is what it is. I'm gonna say it that way. I had to clean up this shit. So if you think hearing about it, like, <laughs> like I just it made me it made yeah. me like Jack more maybe exponentially more that that was like she just said it that plainly and handed him a giant garbage bag of actual shit okay um i I could see it being taken the other way where she's just like you know she could have disposed of the shit but she uh she handed it to him and i could i I could whatever i could see someone taking it the other way but but no it's it's fine i really get it boss you have something to say No, just that there is absolutely no chance I would put a bag of shit into a garbage can inside the office, which means going out and finding a garbage can somewhere else. And and also, like, there's a dumpster at that building for sure, some form of trash. Sure. So then this is like, here's a bag of shit. Also, Edward, you're partly responsible for this. So throw this out on your way out. Yeah, I did. I, I think. Yeah, I get. I, I get where you're going. I get where you. I both read it like but, take yeah. it back to your farm where there is also other shit, and because that's where. But whatever. Okay, it doesn't matter. Uh, we get an ECU uh, extreme close up of a match being struck, like the one. See, oh wait, Edward says, "Oh, like he's surprised by that." He's like, "Oh, he wasn't like, oh, oh, ha ha ha." His reaction was kind of like, "Uh, oh, so I'm the shit guy now." Like. Um, pretty That's much the show the lamb guy. I'm not sure I'm the shit guy. I mean, uh, boss, those yeah, two- yeah. incidentally, boss, do you have a shit guy or just a blood? Oh guy? God, no, just a blood guy. You can find shit anywhere. I have a 
dog sitting on <laughs> my can, floor right now. I'm, I'm, like, I'm concerned that I knew that boss was going to say that you don't need a shit guy because <laughs> shit is easy to come by. I don't know how many hours you have to spend with another human being before you can do that. But we have crossed a line. I knew. I knew you were going to say that. That's unbelievable. I'm so happy. <laughs> oh, man. That, that makes so one thrilled. of us. So um, we uh, we see Jack and Healy are lighting candles. Uh, it, the shot is similar to the shot. The, the close up of the match is similar to the one where Rebecca was lighting matches in her uh, uh, kitchen where she was with uh, Hunky Luca. Not at the time where she was doing it, but that's where he was in the kitchen. Um, and Keely says, that's finally starting to smell better, right? And what does Jack say, boss? Better. Yeah, sure. Now it smells like someone took a dump directly into a pumpkin spice latte. Right. Does anybody else feel like that mirrored? Because I, I, I know I can go kind of far with these, but that that mirrored the uh, the workout scene. Like it felt to me like Keely was doing her Sam ish. Hey, come on, return things around here, and we got Yanma slash Colin saying, oh. "Yeah, I smell the pumpkin spice latte, but there's still a lot of shit in here." If we, you know, if we're gonna be honest. Yeah, that might, I could see that. Like, is, are Sam and Keely the optimists and Jan yeah. Moss and Jack are kind of a little, a bit more realist? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jack says, oh, I could use a, I can't say, if she, I can't tell if she says oi. The sub, subtitles say oi, but I'm like, that's a real Keely and Roy word. She says, I could use a drink, actually. You don't have anything, do you? And Keely says, oh, shit, no, sorry, wait. And then she says, she runs out, Jack sighs and sits down. Jandy, uh, Shandy, uh, uh, Keely says, Shandy's work vodka finally comes in handy. And Jack says, nice, where'd she hide that? And what does Keely say, boss? On her desk. <laughs> On her desk. Classic Shandy. Um, Keely says, yeah, you probably want to mix her a nice candied oranges. And um, Coach, what does Jack say to this? Keely, you're adorable. Ado- adorable. I- Ado- adorable. To okay. All right. Huh. All right. It's an interesting choice. Huh. Uh, what else does she say, boss? I mean, so not boss. Be quiet, boss. Got it. <laughs> but um, I w- but I went coach. to the most prestigious boarding school in Denmark. We chugged warm vodka for breakfast. Yeah. Um, and now you can be you be Keely, boss. What does Keely say? Wow, it takes a lot to surprise me, and yet you just did. Yeah, she took a she took a sip right when she did that. She says, "We tried more vodka for breakfast." Jack t- just tips back straight vodka. Uh, Keely is surprised by that. Jack says, "What, uh, uh, coach? What does Jack toast with?" Skull. Is that yeah, right? And uh, yeah, that's close enough. It's weird because she says, no, she says like skull, like she puts a real sh- 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 right, and, right, right, right. and, and, uh, and what does, uh, Keely say, boss? Cheers. Now, Keely sits down. If you look at the layout of the office, there are, there are two couches, like kidney bean shaped couches, curved couches facing each other with a table, coffee table in the middle. 
my natural place to sit down would have been at the opposing thing because I like to like look at someone uh, when I talk to them or whatever. But Keely sits down right next to Jack. I was like, that is a real interesting choice. Well, I'm wondering if there's a gender component to that choice. I'm really asking. Somebody pointed this out to me years ago, that if you see two guys eating at a restaurant, let's say, they're much more likely to be across from each other, whereas they were saying that women would be much more likely to be like at around a corner, like at a corner together with next to each other. You know what I'm saying? Like if you have a square table, they would be at two, um, the two sides that meet. And I, I, I don't know how accurate that is, but it feels, it feels like this might be that playing out. Yeah. I understand that Jack and Keely are technically, you know, boss and employee to an extent is the relationship. If they're becoming friendlier though, um, I do call my friends adorable. I tell them they're adorable. One of my friends I call exclusively Dollface. Uh, we would never sit on opposite couches ever, it, like in a million years. We would be on the same couch shocking. So that it might be a gender component. I don't know. Women are more comfortable being close to each other physically pro- in physical proximity. So, okay, yeah, no, it's fine. Uh, this is this is good, good, good insight. Uh, we cut to uh, Taste of Athens. Our favorite place, Anastasia is uh, clicking pictures of the um, of the uh, uh, I think it's hummus. She says, "I cannot post this. Uh, dips look like piles of vomit. I cannot post vomit. People will see this and they will want to vomit." And I, uh, yeah, I like that she is invested in what Nate has been invested in up to this point. Like she's like, "This is going to make a shitty IG post." Like that's what going out to eat is it's an opportunity to do an ig post and this place is ruining it yeah i mean that's how she keeps her brand alive um nate says oh okay uh well the good news is tastes a lot better than it looks and this pitta um is freshly made at the bakery down the road um and i was like you dumb shit nate (laughs) like the places she goes they make it in house you fucking bumpkin like Oh, down the road! Are you bless my bless, bless my heart. Down the actual like the same road. Um, oh, Nate. So this I don't understand, but this uh, maybe we need boss to. I'd literally say explain this, boss. Anastasia says what? What does she say, boss? Feed it to me. Which I I, I don't know how to explain it. I don't like it. I don't care for it. I've never asked somebody to feed me anything i it does seem like she is incredibly focused on uh the superficialness so maybe she thought that this would be some kind of like hey cute thing i don't i don't know it's not like she cares what the people in taste of athens think of her so i can't imagine why she would want nate to do that it's it was weird to me too am i get oh coach do you have a do you have a take on this I mean, just quickly that I, it just seems like there's a there's a picture in her head of the magic of what a date should be. And and I'm sure a lot of people make it their business to make sure that a date with her lives up to that on some level. So I, I, I just took it as part of that. Like, OK, you know, you're telling me this this food is so amazing. It's going to make me feel OK about the fact that you fucked up my IG threat. OK, so here we go. Let's try it. Let's let's go for That's this magic. What- 
Yeah, that's what I th- I thought it was a save. So I thought for her, she's a, she's usually followed around by paparazzi. She can't post her own I- IG thing, but if there's like a post of her getting sh- a shot from outside through the window with somebody taking a picture of West Ham manager feeds supermodel, that could make up for the fact that she can't post pictures of the dip. I also thought she's probably designed to as like okay, she's going to heighten as much sexual attention as she can. So in in a, in a in a multiverse where there are many ways for her to ingest that food the flirtiest slash sexiest way she could do it is to say oh feed it to me and that like may kick the night into something else or whatever i'm just like that's just her programming um uh i tire of her but uh but yeah so nate says oh okay he goes along with it um He's feeding her. She's she's like, Mm-mm. Jade notices the, the feeding, by the way. Um, she takes a little bit longer than you'd think to totally chew it. And then she's like, hmm. And she doesn't like it. Uh, that was a fair read, right, everybody? Uh, oh, I got absolutely. Like, she, yeah, okay. she was chewing longer than she intended to be chewing, to be sure. And then she says, Nate. Uh, which I was like, oh, she calls him Nate. That's interesting. Because um, that's not what Rupee calls him. That's not what Mr. Mannion calls him. So I was like, well, how did she get Nate? I mean, he must have said, just call me Nate. Uh, he says, yeah. And what does she say, boss? Can we please leave? I mean, the food is yummy, but it's just so dumpy and sad. Right. And Nate says what in response, coach? Okay, look, I know... It might not exactly be cool, but this place is important to me. This is where my family celebrated our birthdays, anniversaries. It's where we came after I got promoted as assistant coach at Richmond. She's so she's now now coach. Yeah, this is it. Right when right when he's at this part of the speech, he's not done. But what does she do, coach? She picks up her phone. She picks up her phone while he's talking. Which is a great sign. Like, to the guy, to really to anyone, I was going to gender it, but it really doesn't need to be gendered. If you're on a date mid-speech about something you care deeply about and the other person picks up their phone, things are going great. That's a, like, yeah. Come, a, come to me for your dating advice. That you're hitting a home run. Yeah. Keep it that's going. That's it. Uh, so, what is the rest of his speech, coach? Every important event in our lives has been spent here. And to me, that makes this place even better than cool. Oh, what am I thinking? We should get the Saganaki. Yeah. Well, we should get the Saganaki. This is how he's going to fix it is to have a little, little fried cheese. Um, and, uh, that'll, that'll fix everything. Um, now, uh, what does Anastasia say in response, uh, boss? Oh, I'm going to make a call. My friend has the flu and I have to check on her. That felt like a couple different excuses, like mm-hmm. married together to try to make a better excuse. Yeah. I, uh, my friend has the flu. I, my dog ate my homework. And, yeah. um, yeah. So, uh, Nate says, no, that's, that's nice. That's kind. Do you, do you need all that stuff to go make a call? And she just takes everything. I thought and it was then- interesting though. She gave him a look like, come on, man. You Come on, man. Like she, for me, it was like almost like pity. It, it, like it felt like I'm going to leave you now. I don't feel bad enough about this that I'm not going to do what I'm about to do. But God, you're pathetic that you're still that you actually think I'm going to make a call. That was what I gathered. 
It, I, I read that a little bit too. And also not to defend Anastasia, but Nate's speech just then indicated this was a date for him and not for her because he was taking her to a place that is important to him and his family, but she doesn't know him or his family. So like if you came to Chicago and I took you to my favorite pizza place and I was like, no, really, this is delicious. Like I'm going to get you the best tacos in the city. That's one thing. It doesn't need to be fancy. It just needs to be something really, really good. And he didn't bring her here because it's the best Greek food you can find in all of London. He brought her here because this is his place. So of course she's not going to be impressed. If, if I brought you to the hole in the wall dive that doesn't serve good drinks, but I used to go there as a 20 something with my group of friends, I am trying to get you to connect to a place through me and you don't know me yet. Like none of this was about a date with her. This was all entirely about him bringing a hot chick to a restaurant he cares about. I would add to that, that I think he's, it's not the right point in the relationship for that. Yes. Right. Like, absolutely. I haven't been on a, a date in a very long time. Like, uh, <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there. But I, it feels to me like there's a point in the relationship where I would share, and this is true, that I very much like Barry Manilow singing. Very much. He's, <gasps> really? he's He is quite an excellent singer. I get that he's a cornball, but he is he is excellent. He's not just good. And But I'm not, I would not lead with that. That's not going to be yeah. first first date. Hey, I have an idea. There's a Barry Manilow cover band playing downtown. Like, what? Are, what? No. That's like after we know each other and it would be charming to you that I yes. like Barry Manilow. Like, no. First date is not Barry Manilow. What are you doing? Yes. No. Like, uh, it, it's the same kind of thing. The... Uh, Original Pancake House in Aurora, Illinois, is the place that my family and I used to go out for breakfast when we would do that, which we didn't do a lot because my parents had little money and four children. But when we did, we would go to the Pancake House. It's not special. The pancakes are not that good. The eggs are fine. Everything is just fine. But I would take somebody that I cared about there and be like, this is the place. This is the family place. But not until they care about you. You can't care about something that's only special to me if you don't care about me. I appreciate all these insights. Um, uh, Nate watches as Anastasia leaves <laughs> the taste of Athens, runs across the street where a convertible Bentley full of models is waiting, and they're playing Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go, which is a absolute reference to Zoolander. Uh, it's hysterical, and I loved it. I saw it immediately, and I thought, oh, this is so funny. It's such a good uh, reference. And it's also a, a absolute um, it's a verdict on the character of Anastasia because the Zoolander models, it was in this case it was male models. And after that, they drove to pick up gas, uh, to, to gas up the car. And while they were doing that, they had a gas fight. Like as if they're in a, <laughs> like a, like as if it's water, they just pulled, started pull, pulling out, uh, the, the, the pumps, the, the gas station spraying each other with gasoline in slow-mo. Oh, so good. Jesus Christ. What a great scene. And one of the male models being played by Alexander Skarsgård. One of his first roles. That's right. I remember that. The male That's model so who funny. gets blown up. So great. Um, so Nate goes, he watches and then Nate says, all right, like, all right, by himself at the table. And Jade sees this 
And Derek walks up. And what does Derek say, Coach? Sorry, mate. Still got to charge you for the booze, which I really it's appreciated. Not- I really yeah, nice appreciated callback. that moment. Yeah. So and- one of the things for me there, though, was Anastasia, she is so happy outside with her friends. She's like, Nate, this is making me sad. Nate, come on. And then she's like, this is too much. And this, the sheer joy of it, they're honking the horn and all like, like, it's not like she like sneaks around some corner and gets in the car with her friend. I mean, she knows she's in full view of him. She knows where they were sitting. And she's just like, yeah, no, you, you blew it, buddy. I'm going to go have fun with my friends. Yeah. Well, she's definitely more in her environment now. Um, date, uh, date. Nate actually takes a big gulp of his wine, which we don't, I don't remember him drinking. So I was like, oh, this is interesting. Um, then we cut to Nelson Road from the shot of him drinking. The crowd is booing and jeering. And the final score is, was it 4 nil? Okay, yeah. As Richmond Ahabs are still unable to catch their great blue whale. Um, again, I'm, positive this is a setup for later in the season lots of fans are reacting in the stands in the pub and without zava we're left wondering if this team even belongs in the premier league and and uh what does chris say uh coach well without zava this team doesn't belong in my church league arlo it's actually a competitive league with some very talented clergy fan says boo yeah i thought that line was like fine whatever who cares um, the angry fan is there again. You're all a bunch of fucking wankers. McAdoo, you are shit. Right to Isaac. Um, which is, which is good because Isaac really likes, uh, abuse. Um, without Zava, you shit. Even with Zava, you shit. The guy yells. Crowd is booing and jeering. Go ahead, coach. No, just quickly. I'll say I, it, it for me, their non-reaction it felt like um, it made it clear to me they he was voicing what they were thinking. So there was nothing to fight about. They felt like shit and he said they were shit. And everybody's kind of in agreement on that point right now. Yeah, no, right. They weren't. They didn't bristle and go, no, we're not. We just scored three. Could we you know about. No, they were just like, yeah, we are. What do you say to that? It's It's like when Rebecca comes in and. And was screaming at them in the office after the game. And Ted's like, we're going to sh- turn this ship around and point it toward home and whatever. Because, like, what do you say? There is nothing to say here. Um, now we cut to Rebecca's office. Her cell phone chimes. Um, Higgins has sent her an article, mystery solved, with a, a – what else did you see right there, Coach? You see what Higgins uses? A bitmoji, a bitmoji. of him <laughs> crying. You My know what? Favorite. I can't. I can't believe that I watched this and saw that and didn't just relish knowing you were somewhere dying a little bit. I, I like. I kind of yeah. want to go back in time and and really enjoy that moment. But yeah, he did send yeah. a bitmoji, yeah. like all the greats, like all yeah. the greats. Oh, you can imagine. Yeah. You can imagine George Washington would have loved a good bitmoji. Um, uh, yeah, nothing like a grown man using cartoons to show his emotion. So uh, the, the article there is uh, it's Higgins with a bitmoji crying. Will Zava retire? And then the headline is League Shocked. Zava hints he has played his last game. Rebecca sighs, and then her cell phone rings. And who is it, boss? It's Dr. Wagner. 
Yeah. And she answers it. And, and what does she say, boss? And, and it's only her side of the conversation. We're not privy to his. So once, says, once again, just such a no, no. And they always pull it off. It's amazing. Mm-hmm, this show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How the hell the acting is so good. That is, that is a, that is like, like growing up, you go to film school. I'm sure coach. Someone's like, do not do this. Like, Nobody gives a shit. Yeah, and no, they are breaking and what's happening on the other side unless yep. you split the screen and Brady mm-hmm. bunch it the fuck up, right? I mean, it's just like, but they get away with it. They have pe- players, uh, people reading texts and they get right. away with that. You're like, what the f-? anyway? Go ahead, yeah, coach. No, what were you saying? No, I was gonna say, absolutely. I mean, it's like, this isn't just like, oh, theoretically, like I have been specifically told not to do this as a screenwriter and as a filmmaker, I've been specifically told. Do not do this. And they do it effectively, repeatedly. Yep. And boss, what does uh, Rebecca say? Hello, doctor. Uh, yes. Yes. Big loss today. Mm-hmm. I did. I, I, ju- I just, just saw the announcement. Yes. Extraordinary talent. Yes, doctor. I'm just in a little bit of a rush. That would be great. Thank you. Right. And now she gets the news and we see her react. Ah, uh, okay. That's that's what I thought. It's definitely better to be sure. Ah, uh, yeah, well, thanks again. Yes, yes, it was nice to see you again, too. Thank you. Right. And we get this moment where we assume she has heard that she is not capable of having children anymore. That's my read on it. I know some people online, you'll get this. Some people thought, Oh, you know what she heard? You know what? They're going to trick us. And she heard it. Guess what? You're actually already pregnant. <laughs> no. No, no right? there's absolutely. I mean, I think that the people that did that maybe um, haven't been people with the capability of becoming pregnant going to a doctor because before you do anything, they not only ask you if you are pregnant or if you could be pregnant, they make you take a pregnancy test in a lot of cases. I went to get an IUD, which prevents pregnancy. And they said, you have to take a pregnancy test. And I was like, we scheduled this around my period so that I would come in right after we knew for sure I wasn't pregnant. I can't be pregnant right now. And they were like, go pee in this cup. So I doubt that that is it. what's going to be happening. Cool. Cool. I felt I I feel like we're progressively more sure that he, that she did get the news that you know she can't. It, it felt ambiguous to me at first, though I have to admit I didn't think she, you know, I didn't necessarily think yeah she is you know pregnant already or blah blah blah. I wondered going into the conversation, but there was something about there was something mixed about her reaction. Yes. And yeah. so I'm curious on to you know unpack that part. I I actually read it a little bit more as she got news that she could still have kids because what we know from the end of season one is that she had decided not to have children with Rupert. She was going to be married to Rupert and not have children. And she spent all of season two trying to figure out her love life. And maybe she wants to be with Sam and maybe she needs to figure out her own shit. And so it's only really been in the past couple of episodes that the idea of having a baby has been a possibility. I think that a part of this was I'll go to the doctor. He'll tell me I can't have a baby. I'll never have to think about this again. 
if she now has to think about it, there might still be a lot of ambivalence on it. She Now she knows she can get pregnant. Does this mean she wants to try being a single mom at her age? And what is that going to entail? So I am not ruling out that she got news that she can definitely get knocked up tomorrow if she felt like it. I feel better about myself because I was thought I was being silly, but I, I did feel like it, there was a bit of question left there. Okay. You don't think it's definitely better to be better to be sure. That's what I thought. You don't think those are the things you say to as affirmations of your original stance. They possibly, although we don't know what her original stance actually was because what she went in and said to the doctor was, I definitely can't get pregnant. Right. And he was like, no, maybe let's check it out. We'll figure it out. It, It might be that she gets the news that, she definitely can't have kids. And that's what she was saying. That's what I thought about. Okay. I'm just leaving open the possibility that that isn't it. Well, it's the hope that kills you. And I exactly. don't think you guys are necessarily um, uh, on the mark about this because the next music cue is Rachel Yamagata, who is fucking unbelievable. Are there any uh, Rachel Yamagata fans in this particular house? Do you guys know her at all? Unfortunately, oh, no. Sorry. Oh, boss. Uh, you know, Coach, I don't know if Coach has the depth of character to. Uh, <laughs> You're probably right. <laughs> no, no, no. You guys will love it. She is so fucking good. And and this thing happens with Rachel Yamagata fans where, um, you, you know, you kind of like meet across a crowded room and you're like, oh, my God. You just have this thing in common. And it, for me, it tends to be like um, an emotional play. You both actually, uh, all jokes aside, you will both love it. But, uh, on her 2004 album, the, the, the song quiet is what is what comes up at this moment. Um, that's off her 2004 album happenstance. Um, and that album is, is just crazy, but prepare yourself. And then coach, uh, go listen to a song called reason why. And reason why is like, that'll, you'll have a lot of pain. When you hear that, it's like, oh, my God. And then there's another song called Meet Me by the Water, which is the opposite feeling, which is really like like a, yes, it's a totally different kind of mood. I'm not going to tell you what, but um, those two Rachel Yamagata songs, she's got great songs on her 2008 album. Duet, Duet is on there. Um, there's a lot of great stuff. She is Her voice is stunningly beautiful, um, and she's sort of a hidden gem. And I really loved the, the music cue here. Uh, the music has just blown me away uh, in, in this show. Um, Rebecca is fighting back tears. Uh, I read that as between that and the music cue and her saying, yes, that's what I thought, that she can't have children. The line rings and there's no one there to pick up. And, oh, my God, I just I, I, I'm like, I wish I could pick that. I wish anyone could pick up that. Fr- she really needs a friend right now. She just had the affirmation. I don't even know who my emergency contact is. And now I have this, this moment, you know, I went to the game by myself. I'm sitting in my office by myself. There's just no one there. And she has no one to call. And because Keely is like, I'm like, okay, what is, okay. I guess Keely's building a new friendship right now. I don't know what it is with Keely and her bosses. Um, but I guess that's like a thing for her to sort of, pal up with her bosses um, oh huh i mean it's accurate i mean but i i guess i've experienced this quite differently i mean i i felt like um i think jack takes a lot beyond attraction or not i felt like jack took an immediate liking 
to Keely. Um, you know, the, the scene before we even see Jack, um, she laughs at Keely's joke. Um, they both kind of, you know, I don't know. They, they, I, I got more of a sense that these were, that they're kindred spirits that have found one another than that this is like equivalent to Nate's seeking out a dad everywhere he goes. Yeah, no, okay. I mean, I can say, I'm not, not, it's not knocking Keely. I just go, oh man, it's just such unfortunate timing. But yeah. Keely does do this thing. Sometimes, like, I have friends. Okay, so there are people who will say, who will prioritize the new fresh person over the old whatever. I don't think Keely is doing that here. I don't think that's what she's, I don't, I think she would stop everything if she knew Rebecca was calling her. But there is a, it's funny, uh, there's a song by, um, I don't know if it's by Clem Snide. So Clem Snide has a lead singer named Eve Barzelay, and and the, and they sings a song called "I Love the Unknown," and it's just so great. It's like I just want to, I just love things I don't know. I just want to be out there, find you know, discovering the unknown. And as soon as I know it, I want to go somewhere else and discover you know more of the unknown. And so I know a lot of people. I'm like that. I know a lot of people like that. It's just it's, it's exciting, um, but not at the expense of being there for your friends. And I'm like God. It's been a there's a couple situations now with Rebecca where she's been alone and it just kind of breaks your heart because we've come to really love Rebecca and we're really invested in her storyline. I, I wanted to add one thing to the, the phone call piece of the content is, was, was more important, but I think there's a shot they go to that's sort of like down the couch. And I'm, I totally started to do the filmmaker annoying thing of the fingers, but anyway, with it looking down the couch, we're looking down the couch at Rebecca standing next to her desk, um, or you know, off to the side there. And I, I felt like that was almost exactly the reverse shot of the first shot of the entire series. And I'm wondering because we in that one, we're sort of like out of the hockney that used to be hanging there into Rebecca's face. The field is off to her left where everybody's training, and Higgins comes in behind her and this one felt like it just felt like the reverse shot to me even though yeah, it was she's very low close compared to, that to high yeah yeah well yeah let's talk let's talk yeah i love that coach let's talk about the shot composition of this scene you have a uh when she when when she gets the news you you get a real tight shot uh well, she, well actually no she's calling uh keely now and there's this tight shot on her trying to hold it together and then that cuts to the next shot uh, pulls way back outside the door. So just the frame of the door. And that, so the first shot highlights the emotion she's feeling. The second sh- shot highlights how alone she is. Um, they also add this little, barely perceptible dolly move backwards, which, you know, adds a sense of departure or distance. And then we cut back to Keely's phone on her desk and it's ringing again with that silly, uh, Rebecca image doing a duck face. And it almost seems like painful now considering the suffering we know she's enduring and you know it's just like it's almost it's not whimsical in a good way it's like um it's juxtaposed against you know that that's how she looked in better times and and she, that's how she looked when keely would pick up the phone for her you know like just just felt mm-hmm. un, uncomfortable and, and unfortunate um keely and jack are still on the couch in keely's office and i feel like I mean, this is an old thing, but I, I'm not the one to speak to it. So there's a thing where you get together with a person or you're going to get together, even if you kind of both know you're kind of headed in that direction or whatever. And then 
then you'll add some alcohol to the mix to like loosen, loosen it up or whatever. I, I've never been good at that. So I figured I would, I, no, just never. I, cause I don't like, I don't think I'm necessarily better when I'm looser, if that makes any sense. Not that I'm particularly good now. I'll tell you what, <laughs> I'll tell you what. <laughs> I don't get better than this, folks, unfortunately. Uh, it's all downhill from here. But I think I – I don't know. Like for me, I'm not a huge drinker. So um, yeah, I get really happy and probably slightly slop. Not off one drink. But I understand how you get a couple drinks in you and those inhibitions go away. And is this something that it's a move either of you guys can speak to or the – like when ja- – I want you to talk about, if possible, when Jack was like, hey, I could use a drink, is she already sort of – headed down this road in her mind is is there intent for something to happen with her and keely back then um does it happen in this moment here where did it happen in the in the stall where she gave a tampon and keely said oh fuck like when we're gonna we're gonna come up to something but when they're drinking and drinking together in close proximity and having a lot of fun like what what is everybody's agenda here do you have a sense of that uh we can start with you boss yeah, and, and I would shy away from using the word agenda because it's less I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this and more a this person wants to hang out with me enough that we are spending time together. We're going to go to the game together is the plan for tonight. So we're going to go hang out and oh, those plans changed. Do you still want to hang out instead? And if you want to hang out, do you want to get a drink? And as the uh, token woman on the podcast, being willing to have a drink or two or more with somebody is an indication that you trust them because you're not going to have a lot of drinks with somebody if you're not sure that you could trust that they are not going to do anything if you have a little too much. Like that is a thing that you need to think about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So this it like, yes, there is a way in which drinking is, Drinking activities is bonding. Like you go out and you talk and you have some drinks and you share stories. And also you are letting your guard down a little bit because you are physically becoming intoxicated. And that means that you trust the other person to be gentle with you. So I think it's less a she set out to do one specific thing. And she kind of I think Jack did want something to happen. When you say she, are you referring to Jack or Keely? Sorry, I was referring to Jack originally, although I Think, I, I got the impression that Jack was more interested in Keely than Keely was interested in Jack. And I don't know if this is Keely's first relationship with a woman. And maybe that's why she seemed more, uh, not more hesitant, but less sure. I felt like Jack was mo- more sure that she was interested in Keely. And Keely was kind of like, oh, wow, yes, I am interested in her also. And, and so the having drinks is kind of like a. They're testing having the drinks in though specific specifically i love what you said about like oh you go out you have a few drinks out out feels different to me than in yes. like this is just like this is like uh, sort of a very intimate space and mm-hmm. closed off and just the two of you no one's around for miles and miles and I'm like, I, wow I, this is a I'm like we're just wondering where and you're right to not, it's not agenda you're saying they're generally sort of open to sort of, yeah, we're having fun. Let's just keep it going and see what happens and not, not even see what happens with intent. Just see what happens. Like, cause we're having fun and fun in this case is that's enough. Well, it's yeah. funny. Cause I start to say also in this particular moment, they've been through some shit together and I wasn't trying to, be, I wasn't <laughs> trying to do that, but I realized as I started to say it, like, yeah. But really, they have been through some shit together. And so now it seems to me that I 
I guess that was part of why I bought it and it didn't feel like, hey, let me get uh, this little cute one with the cleavage all liquored up. Like, it just felt like they have been picking up lamb shit for quite some time. That was quite an ordeal. You know what? I could use a drink. I don't know. It felt... It felt natural to me in a way. Um, I get what you're saying, but yeah, it just it, it felt more like that to me. Also, I think sometimes when people are interested in each other before that's fully acknowledged, there are choices made that from the outside looking in, it's like, yeah, you're interested in each other, but the mm-hmm. people doing it sort of are going through this charade of like, I just like hanging out like you know the number of times some you know in college that somebody who i felt so close to they were like siblings no we're not like siblings because it's not going to take long for this to happen and so but mm-hmm. but there's the part where you kind of go along with that I, yeah i feel like there is a lot to be said about the way that We've sort of structured the idea of consent in the country. We've done it poorly. I need to say that. We've done a lot of it very, very poorly. I think there are some movements to get better at it where instead of it being a, you start the date by saying, do you want to have sex tonight? And then the other person has to not say no in order for it to be okay. Like that's so fucked up. It, it, what actually happens in real life is that like there's a little more touching. There's a little more physical proximity. There's a little more flirting. If you're me at some point, you're like, oh, so, you know, I'm going to make out with you later, right? Because I'm still not great at um, subtlety quite yet. So I just go for the straight consent. It's fine. Uh, But I I think that there is like part of that dance that you're talking about where like, you know that it's happening, but you don't acknowledge that it's happening quite yet. But then it is happening. And so then everything's fine. Okay. All right. Good. Uh, At what point do you... um say uh i i love your face and body and ask someone to touch it like what where does that fit in <laughs> touch it well face and body i've never said because mm-hmm. yeah they uh, very few men i've ever uh, dated have had both it's usually one or the other let's get real. <laughs> but oh, uh funny. yeah no. yeah no but it, it, blatant is more of my style it, it, it is a lot more you know i'm life. gonna kiss you later yeah no you've said that before i like that um, right, to, right to the point. Right to the point, boss. I love it. No, uh, no beating around the bush. Um, Not so, until uh, later. Oh, coach. Uh, I don't think we're new coach. Talk like that around uh, at work anymore, boss. Boom. Oh, you guys are so mad. This 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 podcast is tasteless. That's uh, true. Um, so, uh, okay. So Keely, we cut now. Okay. Now we're, we're, this is, they've been drinking for a while. Keely says, what? You actually dated a birthday clown uh, for three wacky weeks. And Keely says, did you ever have sex with the clown? Like with the nose and everything. And I'm like, okay. Oh, we're on. We're like, oh, we're talking about sex. And like, so I'm like, okay. Uh, huh. Okay. Okay. So Jack says, for sure. of course I did. Yeah, of course I did. It was in his car, actually all crammed in there with like, 30 of his clown friends. Okay. Um, I mean, I, solid I enjoyed joke. That. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't like it at all. I don't like anything about this. Um, That's uh, so I just, I go, yeah, yeah. No, I just don't buy it. Uh, this is really funny. Um, I'll tell you at the end. I'll tell you what happens. Okay. So uh, we're, we're, uh, three of his fine friends. 
God, hearing about all your bozo exes is making, is making me feel much better about my last relationship. Um, and I was like, oh, okay. So we're hearing about her boat. When people tell you who they are, believe them, right, coach? Wasn't that a good old uh, Barack that's, Obama who said? Uh, no, actually, I think that's that one's gotten passed around a bit, but I think it starts at Maya Angelou. I think that's one of those like several people have taken credit for. I think. Oh, is Maya Angelou originally said that? I, did I not think know so. That. I think so. I will. People I will tell you who they are. Nice. Either way, they're both lovely, lovely human beings. Um, hearing about your bozo exes makes makes me feel much better. And I'm like, oh, so all she's had are bozo exes, and I got the same vibe. Like, but I can change her. I can coach Zava. I can coach Kyrie. I'm special. You know, it's like that. I'm like, huh. Jack says, oh, the football are right. And Keely says, yeah. Uh, she says, oh, yeah, Jamie, what's his name? Jack says. And now Keely says, what, boss? No. It, well, yeah. No. Um, and Jack says, the bad breakup? No, it was fun. Five stars. Would break again. Would break again. And Jack's, hmm. And what does Keely say? Actually, it was, uh, it was, no, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to talk about it because it still hurts. And I'm tired of feeling like that. I used to be a happy person. Jack says, you seem happy to me. It's funny. I mean, not like fucking a clown funny. To which Jack gives her the finger. We spent all night picking up like kilos of lamb kapoops. It's the most fun I've had in months. And I was like, oh, huh. All right. I guess that's fuck you, Rebecca. <laughs> like, I'm like, wow. Uh, hmm. Okay. So what huh. I would say is that in the cycle of the breakup, the life cycle of a breakup, what Rebecca has been doing for the past few months is letting Keely literally cry on her shoulder. This is not about what Rebecca and Shandy weren't able to do before. This is that Keely was not in a position where she wanted to have fun. She wanted to ball and lose her mind at any point because she was so heartbroken. And this is her coming out of the, I don't want to call it the larva stage, but that's almost it. Where it's like, you just, you cocoon yourself. You wrap up in your blankets and you don't want to see the world and do anything. And you're pretty sure you're going to go full Miss Havisham at some point. And, and now she is, uh, one of the podcasts I listen to call is it the recovery sandwich. You take a bite of the recovery sandwich and you start to get on with your life. And that's where she's at. I, I also thought, yes, to everything you just said, I also think there's something about being with someone who's disconnected from whatever the problem is. Like yes. she's not at any point going to give Keely a sad face yes. or say how perfect she and Roy were to get. She doesn't even fucking know. Like she is unaware, fully unaware of Roy. So I, 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 I guess I experienced it more that way is I'm in an alternate universe here where I can pretend for at least a couple drunken hours that I don't have all that on me and I can put it down and just have fun. So that that was that was that was how it landed yeah. on me. Not not that it was like a true indictment of like her relationship with Rebecca, because I do. And you said it earlier, but I do think if she realized her phone was ringing and that Rebecca was calling that she would have answered. I do believe that. Yeah, I do, too. So you're right. It's just nice to have an infusion of new energy or whatever it is new. You know, it's fun to meet new people. 
And right. uh, especially if you right. just naturally get along, it's, that's fun. I love it. Um, so Jack says, uh, Akita says the most fun I've had in months. And Jack goes, oh, I have way more fun than this, like all the time. Which I actually really liked that line. That was a line I was like, okay, that's that's something I would I would say. Uh, that's I, that's that's something I really liked. Um, uh, Keely whacks her on the leg. Keely says, "Oh fuck off!" And then Keely sits up and she looks at Jack and she says, "Oi, oi!" to get the attention, which I will never tire of. Oi, um, she says, "Thank you for all of it." Really sincerely, like it's a really nice moment. And Jack says, you're welcome. Now, back to shot selection. We get a steady cam move. Pushing in on Keeley. You know some shit's going to happen. We're in shallow focus again, which gives you know, renders her image crystal clarity uh, while blurring out everything else. Jack's not in frame in that particular shot. We cut to Jack, and she's fo- fully focused on Keeley. They're just locked, locked in like a stare together, really having a nice moment. And what happens right after that boss? Keely kisses her, goes in for the kiss, doesn't I, announce it. I, I I wanted to throw one thing in, though, that I did notice. I mean, it's totally she went in for the kiss. I'm not changing that. Jack makes a sound. And I think in part, I'm a, a sound, you know, maybe because of the thing. I don't know. But, like, I pay attention to the sounds of things. And the sound Jack made, like, that wasn't clearing of the throat. That was, like, some, like... I don't know. For me, attraction was communicated in a nonverbal way. It was, it was like, mm. but whatever it was, I remember thinking like, mm, well, all right. It, 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 I think it felt like a tiny little sigh. Maybe. Yeah, something yes. in that vicinity. Once she was in for the kiss or once when they were, when they were looking at each other? or Yes, when they're looking at each other right before the kiss happened. Jack. Jack, Jack went makes like, a little mm, sound. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah, exactly. That's my level of subtlety. <laughs> yeah, me too. Bring it here, sure. Mama. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Keely goes in for the kiss. It's like sort of a big lunge, and Jack does a thing that I really don't like. And this, I just blame Matt Lipsy, the director, because I'm like, he's just trying to get a little meat out of the scene. Um, her hand pops up. Her right hand goes around Keely's back and kind of pops up like a hu- into a hover hand. Like she's surprised, but I'm like, uh, okay. What? Mm. I'm like, I thought, I, I thought it was like, okay. If, if you have her put her hand on Keely and enjoy the kiss, then that obvious consent has no stakes. So this is just like the director just trying to squeeze a one more question a little more tension out of the scene, but I, I don't like the artificial way that it, I thought it was done. Um, especially Keely pulls back. She says, shit, I'm so sorry. I should not have done that. And the next shot I wrote is also bullshit, <laughs> which is Jack looks angry. Like it's, it's like a really interesting shot where she's like, like, you know, it could very easily be taken. Like Keely is, is, has totally fucked up. Um, and there's like an extra beat there. And I'm like, this is artifice. I actually took it to be Jack making a split second decision to make out with her employee. I think that that was the only holdup. 
I think Jack was interested in Keely. I think they both knew, like, could sense the attraction between the two of them. And that at that moment, Jack was like, oh, shit, I've actually let myself do this. I am drunk with my employee in her office and we are about to make out. Like, do I do it or do I not? And then decides last second, fuck it, let's go. That's how I read it. Coach. Um... The two of them kissing is so objectively smoking hot that I feel like <laughs> everything else we're talking about is just like, what, what are we discussing? They could I release you, a coach. spinoff that's just this week on Jack and Keely kiss. And I'd be in. We could do a deep dive on that show as well. Like this is. Mm. Okay. All right. So you're not, uh, uh, well, Jack gets up on her knees. She matches Keely's position and height, looks her right in the face. She says, no, you absolutely should have. And she goes in to kiss Keely. I am so uncomfortable with the power dynamics at play here, but even though that's like 70% of everyone's natural kink is who has power in any dynamic. Um, so yeah, uh, very, very interesting, um, scene. This is when, okay, I was going to say, I, this is the thing I said. I, you know, I, I, I've always been skeptical of this, of whether I buy it or not, but I, the scene was over and, um, uh, well, Keely shrouds the window. She uses the remote to shroud the window. And then I was like, damn, she's really getting a lot of use out of that, that like pervy thing. Like it's actually coming handy. And then Jack sort of like really goes aggressively and the like, Keely bends all the way back. Um, and I'm watching with Juliana at home. Uh, and I just like click my tongue. I'm like, and she looks at me. She's like, what? I'm like, I don't buy that. And she's like, you don't buy the attraction. I'm like, no, I don't buy that. Lesbians exist. This is ridiculous. And she like hits me. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, you're an idiot. Um, Um, yeah. Uh, I just, I thought like truly about the, within the context of the scene, um, I I thought it was fascinating that if Jack actually had been a man, that several elements of the scene, some of which you're kind of touching on, would have bothered me a lot more. I'd have been a lot more concerned that like, ooh, if this goes left, is she going to stop finding? I didn't think for a second that if this didn't go great, that Jack was going to pull the funding. But I think if that had been a man, I'd have been like, ooh, boy, you shouldn't wear you eat. And it's so it's it was just interesting to me how much less. Um, oh, this is a word. How much less threatening I mm-hmm. found this situation for Keely because she was dealing with a woman. And I'm not saying that's correct. I'm just noting that that as I try to unpack why didn't the, some of the things you're discussing bother me? That is there. Um, right. Yeah. But that's you also didn't know women could be pilots, so it's true. It's true. It's true. Can Wait, women can be they? pilots? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Our token woman. Can you weigh in on this, uh, boss? We're really actually asking seriously. Uh, really don't know these things. Um, oh well, uh, I don't fly, so. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, you don't know. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, so. Oh, I, I'm always just amazed. Uh, people really love this this match, um, and I and I I'm like, this is fraught with 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 danger and and all sorts of confusing 
things, and but people are generally sort of, I think, like, ah, cool, that's cool. Like, well, you know what's good for Keely? I want to see her happy. Well, yes, that, but I do think, <laughs> as you mentioned earlier about, uh, you know, what you know, folks can't. There is something about making out with somebody you're not. Again, I have to sort of reach back into the soon. I should start journaling this. It'd be like the notebook. So it's like. Oh yeah, when I was twenty, I was pretty smoking hot. Yeah, I forgot about that. Um, but but <laughs> during the first Bush administration, exactly. my game Seri- was on like, fire. Seriously, yeah, like, seriously, know, it's so sad. But I do think that the fact that they know they shouldn't do this on some basic level that actually, I'm sure, made it hotter for each other within the context of the scene, like or would, and definitely made it hotter to me. Just like it's a little bit like the Sam Rebecca thing. Like in addition mm-hmm. to everything else, what are you mm-hmm. doing? Um, so yeah. Anyway, I think that plays in that way. Uh, yeah, I think, and I think you're in the majority. And I think it's interesting how, for some reason, sometimes you just get a vibe about people. You go, "Oh, I'm not. I'm worried about this." But I, people don't have that with this relationship. They're just like, "Oh, this is hot. This is like extra hot because I like the match. I like the people. I like whatever." So yeah, good for them, I guess. Um, we cut to uh, to uh, Taste of Athens, and Nate is in frame. He we're tight on him. He's thinking, and Jade walks up tentatively. And what does she say, boss? Baklava for two. Yeah, I'm never gonna never get used to baklava. Um, yeah, wait. But, uh, so now I'm gonna need to uh, check in with some of my British friends. I guess is that how everyone there says it, or is Nate just a jackass that doesn't know how to pronounce it? Because it's baklava, right? Yeah, yes? baklava. Yeah, baklava. baklava. Okay. Well, at least the Americans are right. That's all I care about. Yeah, yeah. So um, baklava is a uh, is a dessert. There is enough baklava on that plate for like thirty people. Um, that's funny. You have a little baklava. Have you had baklava, Coach? You ever have that? Ever ever hook you up with any my mom's uh, baklava? No, actually, I've not. It's all nuts and honey and phyllo dough. Oh, that would explain absolutely... why I haven't had it because I have a deadly oh, oh, nut allergy. Right, you have so a, you that's go. right. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. I want to have a picture. I want the final picture of your life to be me, like Nate, feeding you, <laughs> Coach, a piece of baklava. <laughs> Before you expire. I hope that's your dream about how you want to go. We'll put it on t-shirts. <laughs> that is fantastic. I forgot about that. Yeah, Coach has a terrible, terrible nut allergy. If he's in like a state away from like – if, if anyone like drives across the Nevada border with, with a hazelnut, Coach starts to cough a little. Um, well, well quick, quickly, because this is true. We were together for this one, so I'm going to tell it very quickly, is that we were at our uh, – we talked about the fantasy league. So we were in a fantasy football draft. And we're sitting out on this deck at a house we all rented to do the draft. And I'm feeling very uncomfortable first. And then I'm sniffling. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Because everybody knows by now. So not a lot of nuts around the house. Like I'm like, what is happening? What we figured out later was we were under uh, a tree that was shedding acorns. And oh, that. shit. And that. The coach was getting f- visibly fucked up. And I it was, was up like, like, oh, like, like Arrowhead. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And it, that's what it was. That's how allergic I am. Just like there was a tree. And so literally the tree nuts got me. Like that's how allergic I am. And I knew it. Yeah. And I was like, what is happening? No one's eating nuts. What's going on? So anyway, ah, I'm that hell. allergic. Yeah. So um, 
uh, you know, she's baklava for two. Nate says, oh, yeah, um, my date had to. And Jay just nods. She saves him the trouble. Um, I, I'm, I still do not understand how this happens. I don't, there's so many things about it I don't get. I'm like, what in the fuck? Uh, as a student of uh, people and situations, I, I am utterly confounded because I'm like, wait, what does Jade like about this? His vulnerability? He's at, is it that he's actually all the artifice is gone and he is just pared down to his raw, vulnerable, innermost self where he's not trying to uh, – I mean, he was still trying to say, oh, my date had – he still didn't know how to say that in an honest way. So, But she saved him the trouble. He says, I'm not going to be able to eat – yeah, I'm not going to be able to eat that all that on my own unless you care to join me. No, no. Right away. No, no. Like, Dan, like the hotel guy, uh, I don't suppose you'd care for – no, of course, of course not. Um, Jade looks back toward the uh, nest where dipshit Derek roosts, apparently, before he comes out hip-thrusting. And she says, what, boss? Sure. After all, our baklava is, defi- is divine. Yeah. And they both chuckle. And Nate says, yeah, I don't uh, – for some reason, whenever I'm trying to impress someone, I end up sounding like my gran. Okay. I love this scene in a vacuum. And I love it in a number of places. I've actually the, – the, the, the movie I've shared that I you know got to direct has a scene that is – Emotionally, this exact, you know, I'm awkward trying to be somewhat cool around you. It's not working, but you're liking me too. So it's all okay and we can laugh about it. And I just love that scene. I think it's always very warm and sweet. I do not get how Nate and Jade got to this dynamic. Because yes. he's been down on his luck before. So if 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 down on your luck is the thing and you see that I'm, you know, being treated shitty by my dad or blah, blah, blah. Like, I just don't get why this particular shot is the shot that makes her feel a way about it. And yeah, it is so rare for me not to be on board, but I just threw this whole thing was like, all right, I guess they're going to do Jade and Nate. Yeah, I didn't quite pick it up either i mean it possibly the fact that he was defending the restaurant where she works although i don't know she it, like you would need to have a lot more dedication to your hosting job than i ever could at one of those jobs to feel that way about somebody defending the restaurant where i worked um it also seemed like it was another one of those situations where because he appeared to not be overly aggressive because he seemed to be slightly vulnerable or because he was upset about uh, Anastasia leaving. Now, all of a sudden he seems nicer, even though he hasn't done anything nicer. He, he hasn't actually been nice. All he's been is sad. And maybe that does it for her, but I didn't understand it either. Now, when Nate spits and comes out as evil, Nate and asks her for her number, maybe he'd like to give you a number too. And what does she say? No. Because she's what? Oh, I don't know if I remember this one. Doesn't she say, like, I'm picky or something like that? And he's like, it's okay, I'm picky too, or whatever, right? Wasn't there something like that? That might be right. Yes, 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 yes. That does sound right. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, now she's, like, he's been around enough to disarm her? Or he, or, I, I don't, yeah, I'm not, I'm having a hard time figuring out what exactly... 
is the catalyst for this. Your grand, she liked that. She liked the divine thing. Um, he says, okay, well, when, when he, he wasn't a jerk about, I mean, he's like, yeah, I won't be able to do this. Um, uh, I won't be, I won't be able able to eat this on my own unless you'd care to join me. No, no, no. Like he's like, he's not a, it's just not, he's not jerky about it. Right. Right. I, I I really like Nate in this scene. God damn it, Jamie Lee. Like I just enjoyed him and I thought he wasn't a jerky and you could see the strings and I'm so easy to manipulate and it makes me mad. Um, but okay. She takes a seat. Um, now Jade is sitting with Nate and I go, okay, I guess like all I hope is that she's a beard, um, that she's a coach beard and that she will go, like maybe you should quit your big dumb stupid job or whatever, right? Like like yes. like maybe she'll just be a voice of reason. And he has no boys. Maybe she's as close to boys as he'll ever, he's ever going to get. I don't I don't know. Um, and and the, and we say that to, for people listening for the first time, we always say like you always see someone in trouble. Uh, Coach and I talk about uh, pro athletes, especially where you where you see them making fools of themselves, and you're like they have no boys. They have no people they can rely on that they can talk to, they can trust, who who can give them the hard word, the tough love when they need it. And Nate Nate has lost the Diamond Dogs. He's completely on his own, and the only person that, that's uh, um, weighing in on any of his actions or motivations is Rupert, which is you know he's a, he's, a, bad. he's a lich. You know, he's a, he's a dark sorcerer. So you just go, okay. Um, yeah, that's not good. So we cut back to Richmond. There's this bling blingy music, uh, over the top. We're in the locker room, looking through the picture window into the coach's office before we cut in there. And beard says this really funny line. He's just sitting on his desk talking to Roy. And, um, what does he say, boss? The only modicum of comfort is knowing that in all the innumerable parallel universes, there is not one where we win that game. Right. I, I, I'm so glad you called out that line. I thoroughly, I thoroughly enjoyed that line <laughs> for, for a number of reasons. One is we've already seen Beard when we're, you know, um, Beard After Hours. We've already seen Beard kind of like play with this idea of, you know, what is this reality and the simulations and the whatever. So the idea that he's sort of playing with the idea of string theory here as he talks about them getting their ass kicked totally tracks for me. And then there is a moment as a coach where you realize if we played this team a hundred times and we won one, that would be quite an accomplishment. Like we are just out. Wow. I just, my politics just jammed up that sentence. I was going to say outgunned and then decided, no, you said you weren't going to use so much gun language. (laughs) And then I almost said outmanned. And then I was like, nice to be a sexist. So I just like to tell the liberal part of me, this is why nobody can talk anymore yeah. because of, because yeah. you're, you're a jackass. No, um, just take off your skirt and say it. Yeah, coach. Come on, be yes, a exactly. man or Orlando. No, yeah. but really, but yeah, there was just something, um, you, they've just got the horses and that's all there is to it. And you're just not going to win in those situations. And that's all it is. And so I enjoyed that. It, I bought it for character and the joke, but I also bought that this would be something that one coach would be saying to another in terms of the message after an ass kicking like that. Yes. 
And also just to um, maybe, number one, help you out with your issue. And number two, rag on Hamilton a little bit from our discussion last week. There is a line where uh, Lin-Manuel, as Hamilton says, uh, we are outgunned, outmanned, outnumbered, outplanned. And I'm like, hey, Lin, outmanned and outnumbered means the same thing, dude. You you gave us the same term. Different words. Same thing. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So suck it, Lynn. So so suck it with all your Tonys and an yeah. Oscar your EGOT. Try and made fun. So, yeah. So suck it, Lynn. So suck it, <laughs> comma, Lynn. We always throw out commas in my family. My kids say it all the time. When we love lines and when there's a natural pause built in, we go, we actually punctuate it. We go, so suck it, comma. Lynn. Um, all right. So, uh, Royce, I, actually, you know what? I do love that line as well, coach. I think if you love sports and you've been around sports at all, you have been, uh, you understand what that feels like. Like, there is no fucking way we were going to win that game. I love, it's one of the things I absolutely love about sports because I've been on the team, uh, where you, you're not going to win that game. Like, we, you get smoked. Uh, and you will always and always have been and always will be and always would have been. And the blue perfect tense, you, you were always going to fucking lose. Um, I've also been on the teams where no, we played teams and they would never beat us in a trillion year. You know, I've been on those teams and then I've been on the teams. The best part about this is when you're on the team where that is the fact, like there's no fucking way you're going to win. And then you do. That's there's the nothing one. Yeah. that I can in the rest of life effectively compare to what you just said. When you pull that off, it is, ugh. That is glee. That is a that is a glimpse into heaven <laughs> for me. Where you, it's yep. like they were supposed to kick our ass, but look at us now. I, I that's agree. Yeah. I, I'm with you. Yeah, that's. I think a miracle on ice had that had yes. that kind of vibe. Yes, they were so. The U.S. was so outmatched by the Soviets. It was like a yes. joke. Like it was like a high school team <laughs> playing a pro team. You're just like, I don't even. What are we talking about right here? And that was um, so, so huge. That's, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go. Yeah. No, no, no. Please, please go. That was so huge and so clear and obvious and whatever. Well, I was a sports fanatic as a kid. So pretty much if you put anybody competing around anything on television, I would watch it. But I specifically remember, and what the hell did I know about hockey? I specifically remember watching that run. Like, I didn't just watch, like, the fight. Like, I was with them. And I knew about the father. And I knew about this one and that one. And I knew the character. And I, but yes, it was everything you're describing here of that, like, it. they call the movie Miracle. And I didn't roll my eyes. I went, yeah, that shit was a miracle. <laughs> that shit was unbelievable. And again, if you play that game a hundred times, how many do the Americans win? Not 50, that's for sure. Yeah, no, coach, I totally agree. There was this um there was this uh horse called Barbaro. Did you ever see Barbaro run? Yeah. And and yeah. That one that one moment where Barbaro wins the the um Kentucky, pretty sure it was a Kentucky Derby. Um and it was just like the most stunning uh and people got attached to the yeah, it was 2006. And mm. and he Barbara had a following after that, like a fan base, because to watch that horse strive come out of the pack, and you're like, what are we? What is happening right now? And just like the spirit of, you know, 
when we were little, there used to be something called the wild, wide, wide world of sports. Do you remember that? Oh, the thrill yeah. Of, the thrill yeah. of victory and the what? Do you remember what the other part was? Agony of defeat. The agony of defeat. And they would show this skier just eat shit on a giant slalom and skis come off and they go through the protective barricade and maybe like over a little hut or something. And you're like, oh, my God. And I always go, can you imagine if you were the poster child for the agony of defeat? Like, that is, that right. is rough stuff, man. But, yeah, they don't do that anymore. Uh, now now they don't highlight the uh, the defeat in the same way. But but it's it's memorable when you have these types of victories. You got something, boss? No. There's a there's a uh, series right now. It's document sports documentary series on Netflix called Losers, and it is a glimpse into the agony of defeat, and not only the agony of defeat, but like some of the glory of defeat and some of the benefit of defeat. At any rate, it's called Losers, and if you're into such things, I uh, highly recommend. You like it, Coach? It's good. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm really, I, I, I'm really into. It. I haven't finished the entire series, but I've watched more than half, and each one has been sort of fascinating. Because what do we do, right? We always tell the story of the winners. Um, but this, yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating to sort of go down the road with some of these folks. Yeah, there's no question. And you know, when you watch this uh, with a certain eye, if you're, if you're from a, uh, you know, certain time frame growing up. You know, there is this thing they do, even in the inserts, even in the uh, transition shots of people cutting grass and or people setting up cones on a field. It's got that E60 sports doc, yeah, sports yeah, documentary yeah, vibe. Yeah. So it's like people know what they're doing. There's certain shots that we do. There's certain things we do. And they they sort of really play that up because, you know, there was a there was a. You know, there was a time we all grew up with certain ESPN anchors where Sports Center was a much more prevalent uh, thing than it is with children today. I mean, I don't, I don't think my kids. I'm trying to think of any of my. I don't have athletes, so it's a whole other thing. But um, I just don't think they even know if I said, "Do you know what Sports Center is?" I don't think they would know. And we used to get like half of the comedy. I used to, you know, just get from sport and the, the, the catchphrases that people that would go through civil, you know, our society would come from something Kenny Maine said or right, you know, like mm-hmm. or Keith Oberman or there's all these old school sports anchors. center was cooler than the other side of the pillow. Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. So um, in response to this, this is really interesting. Uh, Roy says, I know what Madchester, not one world where we've been that game. And Roy says, I know what Madchester is. And Madchester was a musical and cultural scene that developed in the English city of Manchester in the late 1980s, closely associated with the indie dance scene. I didn't get whatever this joke meant at all or reference or I was utterly lost. But any uh, Manchester fans we have out there, um, yeah, hit us up in, in the uh, uh, in the comments or something and let us know what the hell. Yeah. Go go to there's there's ways you can click on our links to get in touch with us. Um, now Ted is looking up at the uh, John Wooden's pyramids of success on his wall. I was trying to figure out if this had he done this before. I was like, is this a callback to something? I'm trying to remember when the last time he stood in front of that was and just really focused on it, like he was trying to kick himself into a different gear, like remember something he had forgotten. I don't know. 
The last person I remember um, do standing there and studying it is Nate. So that was where my brain went. But you may be right that there's a, oh. a Ted specific callback. But Nate in all black is standing there in, in the, I believe, the inverting the pyramid episode, um, taking in the uh, taking in the pyramid. And I and, and, and I bring it up because I remember thinking at the time, this really is like the force where some choose to use it for good and some choose to use it, you know, for evil. If you understand that pyramid well enough. You can use it to put somebody behind a dumb, dumb line. That's not what Coach Wooden had in mind, but you could do it. Yeah. Um, now we get a situation where we hear the the onset of Ted's panic noise, the tinnitus thing, the little high-pitched ringing, distorted dialogue. Um, Ted looks at his hands. We go, oh, shit. And then we get a cell phone ringing. And we see that it's Henry calling. Ted says, hey, fellas, uh, it's Henry. Do you mind if I? Beer says, do your thing. Ted says, thanks. And Ted says, hey, big guy. And what does Henry say, coach? Hi. Sorry about the match. And Ted says, oh, don't worry about that. It happened. It's good to see you, man. Hey, uh, look, I've been really want to talk to you about what happened at school the other day, you know? And what does Henry say? Dad, I messed up. And if I just followed your advice, then none of this would have happened. What advice? If you're angry, count to 10. If that don't work, do it again. Yeah. Well, that's something my dad used to say. Then Nana would tell him that numbers were infinite, so she could just so she could just deal with his snoring. Now, there are a couple of things in there I think are very much worth just quickly pulling out. One is... While that rhyme is very cute, and I could see how it's something that you could tell a child to deal with, you know, them not being able to have more nuggets, um, it is not, at the very least, it is not complete in terms of discussing how to get through anger. Because at yeah, no point you're in addressing that, the symptoms. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just keep breathing deep till you don't want to rip the person's head off. But something still angered you. And that something needs addressing. So it's it was interesting to me. I've needed in my lifetime, as I've shared, to correct in the other direction, where I'm halfway through ripping somebody's head off. <laughs> and then I go, just so you understand, this is happening because of the thing you just said. Um, so there's, there's, a, there's a happy medium there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, I thought, like, that's not good. I hope I hope someone else is teaching this kid that, like, at some point, you should tell the kid who you apparently, you know, hit or mocked or whatever you did to them, what they did that made you so angry that you chose to behave in a way that seems pretty un-Henry. I mean, kids are different at school, but I can't imagine that the kid who's, you know, buying into to Ted's pun game is also like, you know, smacking kids upside the head around the hallways at school. Yeah. I, I, so this felt very similar to the compliment sandwich advice that Jack gave Keely er, earlier in the episode. Mm. Great advice, wrong application. Inappropriate. The, yes. The, the 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 counting to ten and breathing is to like make yourself present. You focus yourself so that you don't have a panic attack or a rage attack or whatever else. So you don't lose your mind. It's not so that you stop feeling angry necessarily. It's just. You keep yourself composed enough to deal with the anger. 
So telling Henry to count to 10 over and over and over isn't... it. Being angry is morally neutral, in my opinion. Like, sometimes you just get angry. What you do with that anger is where the morality or the ethics come in. Absolutely. But, but it, just being angry only tells you that something happened that you don't care for. <laughs> and you need to figure out why you don't and what needs to be done about that. And this feels like the step that Ted never did himself and therefore is not capable of teaching how to Henry to teach Henry how to do now. Well, we watched Dr. Sharon say to inform Ted that he was angry with his father. I mean, she she needed to like let him know that. So yes. we, we we know that that's um true. I I also think <sighs> there's something very superficial about it, and there's a um this was sort of a, a an ongoing. They may still do it on some shows, but there was like a a, a sort of standard uh, sitcom episode where whoever was the angriest of the characters would be put through some, you know, anger management slash meeting with a psychologist. And and whether it's Ralph Cramden saying Serenity Now, or it's, uh, what was the one on Seinfeld? Damn it. Wait, I think you screwed I mean, up. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Serenity Now is, is, sorry, is Seinfeld. The Honeymooners was... Uh, pins and needles, needles and pins. It's a happy man that grins. <laughs> and so, uh, by the way, uh, I could do a deep dive without having to rewatch a single episode of The Honeymooners. Uh, love oh, that, shit. Love okay. that show. Encyclopedic knowledge. My wife didn't believe me. I told her, you can turn on any episode, play a line, and I can probably tell you the next line and what's going on in that scene. And we t- one day, we just happened to bump into it. And she paused it. And I went, now Norton's going to say this. And Alice is going to come in and do that. And she was like, <laughs> are you kidding? And, and it was, yeah. Amazing. So, so anyway, this is not my first show that I uh, obsessed over, I guess. Yeah, but isn't that amazing? Not to get off track, but like ADHD, like, like you know, sometimes we can't remember what we have for breakfast. But you can remember encyclopedic knowledge of every episode. I, I know oh, yeah. sometimes I used, I used to play a game. When I was a little kid, there was a one of the earliest games on my Apple IIe computer. It was a game called Wizardry. And I can still tell you how to navigate the dungeons in there. You know what I mean? I'm like, how? How is that? Like, that is not necessary for me to know that. But, um, yeah, it's fascinating. And, and, and actually, this does relate back to the show when you had um, Roy talk about that game at Chelsea where he, you know, played like shit. And, and yeah, we uh, murdered him. And, yeah. and then uh, Trent says, yeah, it was 3-0 or whatever he goes. And it was like, I bought that 100%. The number of times, and I, one of my uh, coaching mentors actually was my position coach when I played football. And we've both gone back and forth at the outrageous level of detail with which we can remember a football game that was played 30 years ago. Like I'm telling, like I can be like, Oh yeah. Because in the first half, the guy pump faked and I jumped and coach got mad at me. So in the second half, blah, blah, blah. And I ran to the outside shoulder. It's like, you know how much life has transpired since any of this. (laughs) Why do we remember this? Like in detail. So anyway, it, it, it resonated. Yeah. And so in this moment, Henry, if you're angry, count to 10. If that didn't, if that don't work, do it again. I kept, I'm sure this is not the right take, but I kept thinking, oh shit, his dad didn't do that. Or either he did, and Nana said numbers were infinite, 
and he could never get past he could never count far enough to get past his own i guess anger or sadness or whatever it was just it was just kind of heartbreaking yeah um, yeah but also this is what happens to emotion unaddressed right all right so ted says um is doug all right and coach what does henry uh say in response to that I let him know that I was sorry by doing an apology rap in front of the whole class. I, 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 I thought, of course you did because you're Ted's son. And I thought <laughs> that is the cringiest thing. Like I was like, yeah. Oh, now you're going to be bullied. You didn't actually stand up and rap in front of your class. Did you? So yeah, I did not find, I don't know if that was supposed to feel as cringy as it did to me. Or if it was just supposed to be somehow cute or something, but I my immediate thought was, please transfer schools, mm-hmm. please. I, I honestly, and I feel like this is going to get me a lot of hate, both on this podcast and if anybody's listening. But I immediately thought, oh no, Ted is ruining him. <laughs> I swear to God, I and, and a little bit. It's because it's so cringy, but the back to back of having Henry reiterate what Ted's dad said to Ted about never letting your emotions out. Henry is now doing. And Ted, instead of Henry saying to Doug, like, I'm sorry about what happened. Let me apologize, blah, blah, blah. He made a big production about it. He invited the entire class into the apology. We don't know if that's what Doug wanted the apology to be. I personally, like, Nobody has sung happy birthday to me in years because I hate it. I do not want to be the focus of attention in that way. Happy birthday. I will so quit. Funny. I will quit. I am <laughs> I done quit. with this podcast now. <laughs> I will quit. I have. Don't, don't I you. Have, don't you. Don't. Someone who felt similar to the similarly similar, you know, felt similar to the way you uh, just described. Uh, we were at a restaurant and I was feeling uh, particularly uh, assholic. I believe that's a word. And I <laughs> I told the wait staff that it was their birthday and had them on a day that was absolutely not their birthday sing happy birthday. Like the entire wait staff came over, candled no. the whole deal. We, we'd be, we'd be, <laughs> we'd, be we'd absolutely be done. Yeah, we, we just do it every time we go out. Every time we go out, I don't care what day. I just pick one of my kids to torture, and I decide it's their birthday. And someone comes over with a cheesecake, clapping with the whole weight stuff. That's and they're just like, "It's literally not my birthday. It's literally not my." I'm like, "No, just take it. Just take it." So I just, I understand that Ted is extremely kind and sweet, and he is trying to instill that in Henry, but. It is more important to teach Henry how to deal with his emotions and how to deal with other people at their level instead of where he wants them to be. Unless Doug said, yes, you can apologize to me by doing a rap in front of the entire class, Henry shouldn't have done it. And the teacher shouldn't have allowed it. I don't understand how this happened. I totally disagree. I think it's more important to ignore your problems and learn how to rap. Obviously. Uh, Hey there, Doug, with a sweater that's woolly. Whoa, no. (laughs) Bars. See, see, what I'm set, see what I'm setting Co- up there, Coach Coach Castleton. I, I'm like, bars. I literally want to hear the rap. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm just imagining. I'm like, how do you like? What do you rhyme with bully? Um, I'm like, this is hell. The whole thing is this hell. Is hell. Yeah, and yeah. Also, but I kind of want to see it because I want to. I want to. I want to just. It's a hate. No. Vicariously suffer. Yeah. 
And the other thing that I didn't like about this scene and not it, like, unfortunately, specifically the way that it was written is what was the bullying? Like, what was the disagreement? And this felt very similar to me to the way that Barbara was saying we need to add more clients and Keely said no, and we're supposed to automatically agree with Keely. Mm-hmm. So like, what was the beef between Doug and Henry that started this fight? Oh. I'm assuming that Michelle and the teacher and everybody else involved made the right call. But why don't we get to know what it was that caused this issue? Well, here, here's the thing. Yes, they do this a lot. We never found out what happened with, you know, the cerithium oil. And, you know, there's all these, they just, they, they, they scroll right past it and, and you just stay on because the rest of it's so good. Um, you know, hey, well, you know, hip hop songs are a great way to get across a message, you know, just look at the hip hop song. The message that got a laugh in the Bishop household. It was it's it's absurd that he said that, but that Daphne and I both laughed at like we're like <laughs> okay, like it was it it was such. A I mean, listen, far back Grandmaster pull. Flash. Yeah, yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. That is the deepest pull. Oh my! And I was God. all for it. I didn't love the the line construction. Right, right. I'm like, right. Oh, I bet they could have done a little better with the, whatever. But it's fine. It's fine. I I enjoyed the the reference. I was like, I played it once. I I hadn't that's heard it since. Funny. I, they, yeah. they put it back into GTA uh, Vice City, a video game for those of you who don't game, and it kind of got a second like life there. Um, people are like this is this is sick. Um, but yeah, no, it's a, I mean, if you haven't heard it in a while, it is like, wow, this is 40 years old, 40 plus years old. It's like, crazy. I probably shouldn't be saying this publicly because it was done sort of, you know, help, help, helping a friend out uh, a, a bit unofficially. But somewhere in the GTA universe, you two would recognize a police officer's voice saying things what? like, stay down, boom. Yeah, yeah. I was in really? a recording studio. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a that's a fact. That's a real thing. That I don't, I don't, I I would have to really go do some homework and remember which one or whatever. But a a friend of mine needed a cop voice. He was working on the project, and they and he called me. Yeah, so there you go. For my for my memoir, boss. I'm not impressed very often, and yet here I am. (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty fun. So we cut to Higgins and Trent entering the locker room. Hey, guys, good effort today, Higgins says. Mr. Higgins, is it true about Zava, says Colin. And Higgins says, I'm afraid so. And Danny starts crying. Uh, maybe some tissues for Danny. Sam says, hey, hey, guys, Zava just posted a video. So we see the video from Zava. Hello, how are you? I am just, I have to share something with you, my friends. You are not my followers. You are my believers. To which Roy, like, rolls his eyes like, ay, yeah, yeah. And so it. I have to tell you, Zava has played his last match. Um, this is interesting. At this point, Zava has played his last match. Um, also, I feel vindicated in that because he's Zava, he knows he's not going to say goodbye to the team. And that last speech was his good. That was for whatever Zava is as a creature. Uh, that was his, his farewell. Um, now, but Zava has played his last match. Jamie is listening. He's sitting on the floor in front of his locker, leaning up against the bench. Um, he's the only one on the floor, weirdly. Maybe hes they're trying to show he's lower than anybody else at this point because he believes in this team. I don't know. Uh, everyone else is sitting on the bench. He hears this. His head pops up. And who's already looking right at him, Coach? Roy fucking Kent. Yeah. Roy is already staring at him, and he does this little nod like this. Now it's your turn. Now it's your time. And I'm like, oh my, I get chills. I get chills right now, even later, 
just talking about it. I love this dynamic so much. Um, it's so great. And uh, Zava says, I will now dedicate all of my time and all of my energy to my family and my avocado farm. If you put energy into the things you truly love, the universe puts his thing, its thing back into you. Which sounds painful. Super, uh, super childish. That is a yeah, it, very childish yeah. joke. It it's, but it's the same as weenus. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, it works. It's it, whatever. And he says, you're welcome to finish it off. That's, uh, and, and so... Uh, the prosecution respectfully submits exhibit a from season three, episode four, big week. Passion is a word we use when we talk about love. It's also a word we use to describe a crime. Sometimes it's also a fruit, which I'm like, Zava's mind was on avocados even then. And he, he's ready to rock. Um, now the players are all murmuring and um, we cut really quickly back to Ted, who is like, has been talking with Henry. And Ted says, hey, buddy, I got to go talk to the team here real quick, but then I'm going to grab my stuff and scurry home and how, how about uh, we hop online, play a little Roblox. How does that sound? And and does anybody know, anybody have any connection to Roblox here? Anybody? Coach? Uh, any of the kids play Roblox? I gave $10 to my niece to buy something in there. I don't know what it is or what she's buying with it. I trust her parents are uh, monitoring her money well. But that's it. I I'm aware of Roblox. I don't believe if it were any if it were anyone, it would be my son. And uh, it, I don't it is believe your, your son. Your your son plays Roblox. He absolutely does. Or he did. He he, he did once upon. Oh yeah, because you discussed it. You discussed it. The last yes. time we came yeah. over with the yes. whole fam was yes. years ago. Yes, but they were. He was playing Roblox at the time. And, and boss, you giving ten bucks to your niece is the greatest thing you could have ever done for her because being able to buy shit inside there are things. Roblox is just a game. It's like this eight bit shitter. But what it is basically is a format where anybody can build their own games. And so people went crazy and built their own games. And there's all kinds of interesting games that kids can play. Um, and so you got millions, literally, especially during the pandemic, it exploded. Millions and millions of kids playing video games. Obviously, the place is, you know, wall to wall with with pedophiles. And so you have to be really careful. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you, you just go. Uh, nothing can be good in this world. Yeah, it's terrible, terrible. You got, oh, you got, you know, like, the, like I always want to um, do like a short video where you're in a Roblox room. It's just like this boxy shit, and you, they have all these crazy things that you have to do. It's all these, but people use their imagination, which I love. And I'm like, you know, I want to do like a reveal, like everybody in the room is either an FBI agent or a pedophile, and there's no little kids running around. Um, but it's just these, um, yeah, this great these great things. And there's certain things in Roblox. You cannot, you just can't get them unless you buy them. And it's not the same pay to play kind of thing as you have some other vibes with other, some other games. It's just like, you just see like a hairstyle you want for your avatar. And you're like, shit, I wish I had 99 cents to buy that. And so you hooked up your, your niece. And I always, my kids make fun of me so much because I always go, it's digital. Like I'm giving you real money. I can hold this money in my hand. And then I, then you go buy something and it is something you had to have. You had to have the, the little halter top with, with the whatever on it, you know, to Viva, my littlest one. And, and, and then I'm like, that was like three weeks ago. How many, how many times has your avatar? She's like, well, I'm sick of that one now. I'm like, Oh my God, that was real money. 
So they love to make fun of what a grandpa I am about this stuff. But it's cute because I like also um, Roblox is is you you log on anywhere in the world, all kinds of different platforms and you can play together. And I really like the idea of Ted and Henry um, bonding as father and son by by playing. It's experiential. And and I like that. That I was going to speak to that. And, And Henry is at an age where he enjoys that dynamic. Or in, in his own way, as much as Ted is enjoying it for his reasons. And they're only a couple of years out from that cart getting totally upended. And if there's one part for me, because I always want to be a parent, love being a parent, all the things. If there's one part of parenting that has sucked, it has been saying goodbye to that part. Like, my kids are 17. They're, you know, a month from today, they'll both be voting age and nobody's like got a hankering to play some stupid video game with me. (laughs) You know what I mean? And like, and I, that was so fun at the time. Like I really, I, so I'm glad I, I do, I got all of it. I got all my enjoyment in, but if it's something I miss, I miss that. I miss that energy. Now, can I comfort you at all by explaining that in the coming years, your children will come back around and want to play board games with you? That would be awesome. I, I, we, I That would be great. I feel like they will. Have I told you guys about the first time that I played Cards Against Humanity with my mom? Oh, my God. Do we I want to hear, to hear this? this? I have Do to hear this. Do we want to? Oh, yeah. I think oh, I just yeah. like... No, no, no. <laughs> We are Whatever you thought this was going, it's oh, not going there anymore, fuck. brother. You, I, I gotta like, know this. Listen, I have appendicitis, and I need to stop the podcast <laughs> right now. Wait, no, I have. I told you guys, or I haven't. No, but I want to hear it. Holy shit! Oh my god! So the first time my mom played Cards Against Humanity, the first card, the first hand that she played, first card, first game ever. It was, I got 99 problems, but blank. And my mom played, I got 99 problems, but dick breath ain't one. And she was playing with her children, and it was Christmas Eve. I love everything. (laughs) Hey, hey, Orlando, you said you love that story. Uh, What, what, why, why? Like, what? Pick a word out of that story and tell me what's not to love about it. <laughs> oh my god! But dick breath eight one. Wow. This she God bless her. It's where I get all of my talent from. I know, Thank Coach. You, you are not going to sit there and pretend that was not worth it. That was a hundred percent worth it. No, no, no. It's, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm always, I'm always uh, inspired by the the glimpses into uh, <laughs> Boss's family, into, into my life. Yeah, uh-huh. absolutely. Uh, so Henry says you're on. Love you, Dad. Love you too, buddy. I'm proud of you. Um, good job bullying. Um, now here's the thing. Uh, he does not say good job bullying. I added that. Um, here's the thing. Uh, Ted swooped in when shit had already been handled. It was over by the time he weighed in in any fashion. And that could be a, a, a moment of profound trouble, uh, something that's very troubling for him to know that he 
was not needed in this moment. However, I think it ends up being a moment of comfort for him that he can sort of reflect on because as soon as he hangs up, video call ends. Oh my God, the high pitch ringing is still there. I thought it was like, I'm like, that's predatory. I'm like, that's it's back. It waited for him. This little, you know, the fucking, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I thought, okay, when, when he, when the goal got scored in the game, when, it, when he got interrupted, it didn't come back, but this time it comes back and Ted breathes. And what does he say, boss? He's okay. He's okay. He's okay. He's okay. And the ringing stops. I, I'm I'm emotional thinking about it because we mm-hmm. love this guy. And I even just sitting here, I got misty when I watched it. I still have chills right now. I'm like, oh my fuck. <laughs> like, oh my God. Like, and, and we said, hey, Dr. Fieldstone isn't in this episode, but oh my God, is she ever in this episode? Yes. And this is yeah. This is what happens when you're better at your job than anybody else. You know, you just, you can make, you can help people get here. Um, what I loved about this, and I think it's, it, it, it points to what we were saying, uh, you know, where Boss and I were on in terms of the count to 10. This isn't count to 10. Correct. This is going through it, dealing with the emotion I was afraid. I was nervous about my kid. I was thinking that, you know, me being here is ruining my kid. And he sits with it and he breathes through it. And that's how he gets to it. It's not a shot of bourbon. It's not, oh, I'm going to distract myself with a bunch of other bullshit. It, he sat there and he went through the emotion. And that's the, it's the only way through, says a guy who spent a lot of time in therapy. <laughs> <laughs> but he addresses the core the core worry he's okay that's right that's and the whole thing if i'm not going to be there i'm not going to be there is he going to be okay uh i've been lied to by my ex-wife is he going to be okay i have the the primary male figure in his immediate vicinity is someone who is unethical and maybe conned my wife away from me is henry going to be okay He's going to be okay. Like it's all of these things combined into something that Ted addresses and he, but he goes right to the heart of the matter. He doesn't say you're okay. He doesn't say you're going to be okay, Ted. You're going to be okay. He's just say, he goes, he's okay. He is okay. He's okay. And, and well, my God, that's powerful. It, powerful. It, it's incredibly powerful. They're, co- they're in, so, okay. One is Ted's about the team. And now that I've, hit this who have we seen in this episode be about the team we've seen keely we've seen sam we've seen jamie we've seen roy everybody ultimately including rebecca going fire ted too bleak moving on like our main characters have all in one way or another declared their devotion to the team now for ted in this moment it's a it's a broader version of that Right, it's a different version. We're talking about with some of the others, but I, I, I think it's the absence of ego, and I, and 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 now I'm going back to a taste of Athens, uh, coach's favorite place, and saying I, that's what was missing for me there, because even though yeah. I get that he says, you know, no, no, this grace, the baklava is divine, or whatever, the blachava is divine, he, it's still about him. I don't. He's not defending the restaurant because, hey, can't you see how hard Jade works? And, you know, he's a good guy. And it's, it's, it's like you said, the date was about him. 
and these other people are it's not about them even jamie jamie is not saying hey you fucks pass me the ball i'm gonna score jamie's saying yo man we can beat these guys like let's just play together um so yeah i think he's not yelling for zava that was so funny i'll never forget i think i should just insert that into my life (laughs) <laughs> like, that's so funny. For Orlando! Like, what? Um, yeah, Ted comes out. Gentlemen, hey, that was a tough one tonight, okay? Uh, Man City still has our number. It's got our number. That, that's all right. We're going to get another crack at him later in the season. Uh, coach, no practice tomorrow. Yeah. And Beard says, boss. That's right. Okay, well, see you all on Monday. That's it. Ted's done. Peace! Later. Goldfish. Right. And then Sam, the ultimate goldfish. Hey, 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 coach. Uh, what about Zava? Uh, he quit the team. And Ted you know, looks at the Zava's thing. And I mean, technically, he retired from the whole sport, which makes it feel a little less personal. Yeah. <laughs> which, I'm like, uh, so always looking on the bright side. Uh, you know, like if your girlfriend runs off with some dude and it turns out they were soulmates. Uh yeah, and people people oh yeah okay that makes sense and and what does Beard say uh boss Gina fucking Gershon I I love this show <laughs> I mean that it that was masterful I laughed so that worked first of all what a like specific callback to Roy sharing that he dated Gina Gershon. Also, we've right. been watching Beard and Roy be on the same wavelength on everything from the best time to break into a person's house to God knows what. That they both had a thing with Gina fucking Gershon. I mean, wow. So I just, man, I th- that was more than just a joke. Like, I felt like this, like, at this point, they're going for style points. Mm-hmm. It, it also uh, turns out that there's nobody in the locker room that hasn't dated somebody that Roy has also dated. I shouldn't say that, it, but between Jamie dating Keeley and apparently Beard and Gina Gershon having something, it, Roy's like, why is everybody hooking That's up with my That's funny. Axes? Interesting. Yeah, so um, this is the moment where I'm like, oh, this is a real Coach Bishop moment here where Ted realizes, okay, I got to do more. And he says, look, 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 I, I hear you, okay? Zava's gone. And you know what? I think it's a good thing. This is, this is, a, I promise you, this is what Coach Bishop would say, right? Coach is raising his hand. Yes. He, a hundred percent. He'd be like, all right, I have to, uh, I have to name this and I have to frame it for everybody so that they can move on with their lives because they're not going to be able to get through this. Um, they go, what? How? 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 Because all they've been doing is standing around watching Zava play for t- 10 weeks or whatever. Well, I do. Okay. Look, do I want to win? Heck yeah. But I also want to do it with folks that want to be here. Right? Coach is nodding. Huge nods from Coach Bishop. And it's not like we could handcuff him to his locker and make him love us, to which Danny says, what, Coach? We could have tried, which <laughs> that was a pause line for me. That was so funny. Danny yeah, loves like, Zava on the level. Wow. Find you somebody who loves you like Danny loves Zava. That's what I'll say. Seriously. Amen. Um, Ted says, hey, guys, look. Guys, look. We, we got a good thing going here. And we get a little music coming up. All right. Uh, we didn't need Zava, yeah? Um, he's still winning him over here. All we need to win 
are the fellas in this room right now. And all you fellas need to do is believe it. And then what happens behind him, coach? The sign rips. On the sign riff. And if everybody just loses their shit, what does Bumber Catch say, boss? It's a sign. And what does Colin say, boss? That's it. We're doomed. We're done. We're done. We're finished. We're finished. Yep. And Ted said, no, no, hold on, hold on. Hey, knock it off. Okay, okay. We're not doomed. No one is doomed. But Bumper Catch, yes, you're right. It is a sign. I agree. Uh, he pulls it down. He says, yeah, the fact is, it's just a sign. And then he <laughs> he rips it in half in front of them. And these guys react. Their whole bodies like, it's so funny to see. Uh, just, just, a, just a great show. Just a great show. Uh, all right, guys. Listen to me. Belief doesn't just happen because you hang something up on a wall. And now there's an insert of the right side of the room with Sam in the foreground, and Sam is smiling. Right? Why is he smiling, Coach? Does he know Ted is back right he, at this moment? He knows. He knows. We're back to there's something. There's something worse than being sad. That's worse. I mean, he knows. He's got it. He sees his guy. He says, all right, it comes from in here, you know, and up here and down here, head, heart, and, and gut. And we get a shot of Van Damme thinking. Only problem is we all got so much junk floating through us. A lot of times we end up getting in our own way, which is, yes, universal, right? Look at look at every story that Boss tells. Correct. Um, Van Damme nods, you know, crap like envy or fear, shame. Shame, we get a shot of who? Who do they frame in there, Boss? Colin. Yes, Colin. And he nods and he says, um, I don't want to mess around with that shit anymore. You know what I mean? Uh, do you? Well, and, and, and do you? And they say, no, 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 no. Go ahead, coach. They do. And I think it's important, you know, for uh, the many ways we've felt like Ted has not been at his coaching uh-huh. best. I know, Biggie. It's upsetting. Um, but <laughs> but he has not been at his coaching best. And I'm not going to keep arguing with you about it, Biggie. Um, now, but I but he took them down to the sewer, and this speech is basically the articulation in another place where he's now using it as a metaphor of what he was telling them in the sewer. You got to let this shit pass through, and I and I don't think it's a coincidence that he says shit and crap and all of that in this speech. I think this is the the culmination of that whole lesson. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And he doesn't swear. So when he swears, shit is on. Um, players say, no, no coach. Isaac says, no coach. No, no. Uh, and he checks again. Do you? And they, no, no, no. Jamie says, no. Ted says, no, me neither. Hell no. Well, you know what I want to mess around with? And now we cut to Jade and Nate chatting in the window seat. And we get a voiceover. The belief that I matter, you know, regardless of what I do or don't achieve. That is a that one for for anyone who's worked their whole life in an industry and not quote unquote made it. Uh, that one, that's a lot of validity to that one. That uh, is coach. the line that hit me in the. That was like a punch in the chest. Like it was not even a punch in the gut. Those who have experienced both, that was that took the wind out of me. That line. That is. That's for me. That's pretty much all of it. Like if I disappear off Earth, will anybody give a shit? Or be <laughs> the least bit put out that I'm gone. 
And uh, I thought it was powerful to bring that into the speech here. And and to be looking at Nate. Again, I don't love the Nate Jade thing. So it didn't that part of it wasn't a home run for me. But the line itself and the message absolutely were. Regardless of what I do or don't achieve. Now we cut to outside Keeley's office looking through that frosted glass. We see Jack kiss her neck and remove her jacket. Or the belief that we all deserve to be loved. And we cut to Roy. Whether we've been hurt. Or maybe we've hurt someone else. Roy has a real talent for realizing he screwed up right after Keeley gets some. Not sure how he does that, but that's really interesting that he's done it again. He basically ran Keeley off into other people's arms for the somebody else's arms for the second time. Women will tell you that there is one man in their life who knows when to show up just when things are going well. All of a sudden, he pops back up. And you're like, what the fuck, man? I've, I've heard women talk about that before. That is oh, fascinating. Oh, God. I have no idea how they know, but they know. I've never heard that because I don't think uh, men can be friends with women, um, except for their – they shouldn't be alone in a room. No, not friends. Oh. Not fr- not friends. Like some guy that you screwed around with in college, and all of a sudden he's popping up on your Twitter feed 14 oh. years later. And you're like, what the? No, I'm doing fine now. Get out of here. That's what you say. Okay. Yeah, I was trying to Mike Pence it up. But um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, okay. So um, now we, we, maybe we've hurt somebody else is the line. And Rebecca's in her car holding the matchbook. From Ola, she's turning it over. She's got a little smile on her face. Looks bittersweet. She's definitely lost in thought. She doesn't seem like she's connected with anybody. So she's processing this all on her own. Or what about the belief of hope? Yeah, that's what I want to mess with. Believing that things can get better. And in a world, you know, I just sit here and rail about the pandemic and how we've not done any healing as a civilization and how we just go right back to peak capitalism and we expect everybody to be good little taxpayers and people are suffering. People are suffering. And some of the ways that things have gone politically make you think like we're in a, this is just, it's just crazy. Um, uh, but you know, you got to believe that there's there's that thing. Believing that things can get better, that is a real high bar sometimes. Um, so I think it's something that resonates with people in this day and age, just the naked belief that things can get better because sometimes even that seems unattainable. Um, the guys tap each other. Trent uh, is there listening intently that I can get better, that we will get better. Oh, man, to believe in yourself, to believe in one another. Jan Moss nods, man, that's that's fundamental to being alive. And and look, yo, hey, if you can do that, now we get a wide shot of the whole room. If each of you can truly do that, can't nobody rip that apart. And he rips the sign again and slaps it down onto the table. So this speech I thought was magical. Um in 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 the best ways like i i felt like i needed this speech and i feel as much as i've enjoyed ted lasso and i probably was the the sort of the uh the one waving the flag through season 2 this was a return to for me 
to the version of the show that regularly made me cry. Like in like made me shed tears during a comedy. Um so I just yeah, there's so many levels on which this worked for me. Um and and the thing about believing in each other and the power of that, uh, I just think it's something we, you know, I, I maybe I just needed to hear it when as this has happened, but it just it felt like a return to like these like essential lo- uh, truths about our lives that this show can hit on in a way that um, few can. Coach, you said you watched it three times when we were starting season uh, episode one of this podcast uh, for, for for the signs episode. You said it hit you three times in three different ways. You want yeah. to talk about any of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the first time I think I was most in sort of the Ted Lasso world of it, and really um, just was realizing how much I cared about each of these characters, how much I care, what's going on with Rebecca, not just like what's going to happen to her story-wise, but I I really care. When we go in on Roy's face, I'm like, you screwed it up again, Roy. Go get your girl. Will you knock it off? And I like, I truly care about them and, and only want the best for them. And in a Ted-ish way, don't give a shit if that includes winning the whole fucking thing, even though I get why they need to be pursuing winning the whole fucking thing. The second time, I think I was more in touch with how much Ted has gone through to be able to to deliver this speech, not just an impactful speech, but this very real, very grounded it ain't magic and it ain't, you know, reading the right books or whatever. It's real simple, guys. We believe in each other. And to me, he was saying, I love you. That's what I heard in the speech. I love you guys. And 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 we're gonna be we're gonna be okay. Just like my son's gonna be okay, we're gonna be okay. The last time I felt like I felt Ted was giving me my pregame speech. Like, life goes on, there are things going on. And when he said, I'm actually getting choked up, like not even kidding around. When he said the piece about really feeling you matter, whew, that shit wiped me out. That was when I was like, <laughs> wow, like we're back to this version of Ted Lasso because... And I, I guess I'll just, you know, go ahead. We've shared so many other things. I, one of the things with the work I've been doing over the last couple of years, like steadily, like to the point where my therapist was like, hey, the stuff you first came in about, like, you're all set. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm obligated to let you know, like, if you want to stop now. And I was like, no, I absolutely do not want to stop now. We're now we're going to get this thing done. And we have gone so, it was like almost a year ago. We've gone so much deeper. And that sense that I have to keep achieving things, that's why I matter. What can I achieve? And even people in my life who I know better than that, my own mother, I know that wasn't true, but it felt like it was true. And to come to like be able to be like, 
if I sit still in a room, if I sleep, <laughs> you know what I mean? If I don't make myself literally sick, pushing myself to achieve thing after thing, I've literally put myself in a hospital with this shit. Um, that has been a whole fucking journey. And I would hope that everybody gets to experience that because, yeah, you have value because you're here. You are here. At some point, you started turning oxygen into carbon dioxide, and that's it. You qualify. You matter. The rest of it, we'll figure out as we go. And, uh, yeah, that was my experience of that speech. I, I thought it was, yeah, apex of uh, Ted Lasso beauty. I love you, coach. Oh, that would be too awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's easy too. It's easy too. Yeah, you are you are a beautiful man, Coach. Um, thanks for sharing that. Absolutely. Uh, I, I have hated all the things uh, over the years that you have decided apply to you that I know are bupkis. <laughs> as your friend, as your friend, I've, I sit back. I'm like, oh my god! Like, how did this get in there? Are you fucking kidding me? You? <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's wonderful to see you come through all that, um, and, and keep plugging away and, and do it in a way that's healthy and, uh, you know, sustaining and it, it's really, it's, it's wonderful to see. Um, yeah, this, this beat here makes it feel like everything's possible. I, my only worry about the speech is that it comes, I think three episodes too early. So I'm interested to see how they, yeah. uh, like what's going to happen now? Like now everything's on the table. And if we get seven episodes, what, what do we have? We're on five and there's 12, right? So seven more. Is that right? I mean, maybe it's just seven Correct. episodes of fun where things get good. <laughs> like, right, okay. right, right. Are we doing like, like each game? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Like, shit. Yeah. Okay. Because because some of the things that felt like they were taking up space, Zava, Shandy, um, I guess, you know, maybe to some degree, uh, Michelle and Dr. Jacob mm -hmm. and that, you know, whatever. It seems mm -hmm. like it's partially resolved. His worry about Henry. So, like, can we actually get back to – you know, kicking ass and being showing the lasso way, re uh, it's sort of gaining hold again with the players as they remember who they are. There was this, uh, you know, I don't watch trailers or things like that uh, because I don't like to be spoiled, but I did see before the season, there was one shot of Jamie Tart spinning past somebody. So there's this, this thing where you go for toward another player with the ball, the ball's kind of between you, you step on it, use your, uh, depends in the situation, but whatever. In this one, he uses his, his I think it's his left foot, and then he puts his body full speed between him and, and the other player and spins and pulls the ball past him. And it's a great move if you can do it. It's hard to time it right. But I, we haven't seen that yet, so I go, oh, like, Jamie's time is coming. Like, I can't wait to see this and what version of, like, Zava goes up to him and puts his hand and goes, it's like you were Zava. Like, uh -huh. Right? Or like, that uh -huh. is that is passing the torch, right? Yep. And so I'm like, oh, God, we have so many good moments. You know, are we going to see Nate tell Rupert to fuck off? Are we going to see, you know, like, mm -hmm. what what litany of beautiful things are now back on the table? Are we going to get more Beard and Ted that we've kind of been missing a little bit? Mm -hmm. You know, some of their, that, that dynamic is great. Um are we going to see, you know, the 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 payoff of the Tish prophecy for Rebecca? Mm. You know, I anticipate a lot of really good things coming down the pike. Ted says, "See y'all Monday." They say, "Yes, Coach." Some players clap 
It's such a good speech. And music comes up. It's uh, come together by Spiritualized. Jamie goes, uh, uh, Roy, Roy and Jamie come together tomorrow at 4 a.m. Damn fucking right. And we smash to black and we are out. I pumped my fist. <laughs> when, no, really. When he said damn oh. fucking right, you could if he knocked on my door tomorrow morning, I'd be ready to rock. I was like, damn fucking right. I yeah, I yeah. There's a there's a phrase I came across in mindfulness because I'm serious, folks. I have done a lot of goddamn work on myself. And uh but it's uh, be the sky, not the weather. And it's oh. it's a matter of That's you're cool. here, you're yeah. the observer, weather's gonna happen. Some games you win, some games you lose, right? Be the sky, not the weather. And to me, this speech has a lot of be the sky, not the weather to it. It's like, yeah, all right, so the fucking sign ripped. So Zava's gone. So this, so that, so all this shit. Guess what? We got this. We're in here. We're going to let the shit flow through, and we're going to come together and believe in each other. And to me, I hear love each other. And, um, yeah, I just thought that was, uh, yeah, the scene was amazing. What an episode. Um, the great Jamie Lee. Coach, where do people find you if they want to find you? Uh, we Align is our online community for the coaching practice. So that's wealign.alignp.com. You can also catch me on IG at BK2LA and the company at AdalignP. TikTok at AlignP. And also we're on Facebook, Orlando Bishop for me and Align Performance for the company. So check us out. Let's talk. And uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to Ted Lasso folks all the way to where they're trying to go in life. So come, 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 come connect. If there's anybody in the world that can do it, it's you, coach. Um, I, I that's not a joke. Coach is he's the real deal. Um, boss, where do people find you? Uh, still on Twitter till the bitter end at Dumbly Chambers and also writing at The Antagonist, which is antagonistblog.com. And we want to sp- uh, thank our sponsors, uh, Pajiba, uh, an independent website, and and the Antagonist. Uh, you can find the links in the in the um, show notes. Um, support your local libraries, and uh, by the time you guys hear this, our beautiful listening community, we will already have results in the NHL NHL playoffs. Because <laughs> oh, I am like so fired up to watch Game One tonight. I can't even explain. I'm a huge Boston Bruins fan. If you want to see great hockey, I mean, it, this is going to be something. Um, so, uh, but by the time you listen to this, you'll know whether my team lost or not. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> um, so, so, uh, but I, uh, only, uh, only positive thoughts uh, right now and very excited about it. Uh, so we will be back. Um, we don't even know. Yeah. We have no insight into the next episode. So we'll be here. We'll, It'll drop, I guess, Tuesday night, and um, we'll we'll pick it up from there and start running with it as quickly as we can. Uh, we thank everybody for listening and being part of this. It's a wonderful community, and um, we thank everybody for all the, the messages and and the. Um, if you really want to help, if you've enjoyed any part of this, uh, writing a review, giving us five stars or whatever, uh, that really actually does get us to the front of the line and helps quite a bit. So uh, please uh, take a second to do that if you if you can, and if you can't. Don't worry, we get it. None of us, we're all in a perpetual <laughs> state of trauma. Um, but uh, we'll be back uh, to guide you and, and, and uh, walk you through the next episode and hopefully have a little fun. Um, 
And, and until then, we are Richmond rich till we die. die. <laughs> we are Richmond. We are Richmond. We are Richmond till we die. Oh, we are Richmond. We are Richmond. We are Richmond till we die. All right, sorry. I just thought I'd do a little <laughs> Betty Hill, Betty Hill remix there, featuring Coach Orlando. It. There you oh go. My God. Anytime you sing, Coach, I'm all for it. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. The TedCast is a joint venture between Pajiba and the Antagonist. Visit us at pajiba.com and antagonistblog.com.